Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, my fellow Westorians. It's Monday. It's time to have a spoiler-free review of the final episode of Season 1 of House of the Dragon. It was, I'd say, a great success. Certainly there are some criticisms, but mostly we have great praise for the show. We will be coming back next Monday to discuss how much we liked it. And then the following Monday, we will be discussing more of a, a traditional wrap-up where we analyze the season as a whole. Going beyond that, we haven't exactly figured out our schedule. We have been having spoilery episodes on Saturdays. That's over with for now, but we will be having other spoilery content. We just haven't announced when it's going to be out yet. So you may have noticed by next Monday, I said, we'll have an episode. That's Halloween, so it'll be a fun Halloween stream. So we'll have so we have some guests lined up, which we will announce once the full list is set. We're trying to have a little extra group since it's going to be a little more fun oriented and we a little need to bit make less you dress up. <laughs> a little dress up, yeah. I'll, I'll make you dress up on on Halloween. It's a good idea, Sean too. I mean, I mean, interject. I was I was uh, pretty happy with the tweet I made when the, the painted table lit up. I tweeted that that was the jack o' lantern we didn't know we needed. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Good timing. I wonder if they realized how uh, well that was timed on their end. Yeah. Make sure to check out our synopsis videos before each live stream or after if you decide to do it in that order. It's valid to do that, but I usually think it's, it's after if you're watching the video. <laughs> that's true. The video <laughs> usually comes out after the the audio version of the synopsis is out first. But the video portion takes longer to make. Of course, video editing is a lot longer process than audio editing. <laughs> Thanks to Dragon Lord Eric the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves and Defender of Stigai, Rider of Ixodes, Scapularis the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings, a red underside, black horns, and green eyes. This episode had a lot of dragon in it, didn't it? Maybe, I would guess, I'd say it's the most dragony. Obviously, even if you take out the the quantity of dragon stuff, just the amount of time spent on Vagar and Arax. I just mean like the vibe, the dragon vibes, like the the, the overtones of meta communication. The Damon basically kind of acting like a dragon <laughs> throughout most of the episode, and just the fact that we saw a lot of dragons, and there seems to be some you know, like nonverbal communication, maybe supernatural elements. We'll we'll talk about these things individually, but there's a lot of it. And that there might as been as much dragon time on screen this episode as all of the episodes combined. Not not sure if that's quite true, but it's got to be close. It's entirely possible. We did say that same thing the first time they had a long Vagar scene with Aemon claiming her, and it was we we're like, this is more dragon action than they've had the whole show so far. Mm -hmm. I think they. I think you're still right though, even saying that. <laughs> 
And I don't really feel like it's at the expense of anything else yeah. either. You know, it was, I, there was, I feel like just as much tension and drama and character and dialogue and everything else. Yeah. And, and even in that, it wasn't just gratuitous, like two dragons going at it. It was, it was tense. It was like, Oh my God, he's losing control. This isn't what he intended. Like he was being an ass, but he didn't, he wasn't trying to kill him or whatever. You know, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Like that's, it's, it's not like, well, they fought and then one of them won. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a totally different sort of thing. Yeah, it's not really. You don't even like look at it as like a fight, you know. Go- going into this, you know, when 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 this show was pending, like my worst con- fears, you know, my biggest, most pessimistic concerns, have not been there at all. Like uh, the like all the things I was worried they might do, they're doing all the opposites. That's right. Is, yeah, I love it. Well, yeah. there's still time for them to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, they can just nothing but action, <laughs> no dialogue I, at all, no character building. Yeah, <laughs> I think I heard someone call it Damon's Run is like my my least favorite part of the whole series, and it wasn't a dragon thing. You know, I thought I was worried there might be like too much dragon oh, action, yeah. and it wouldn't be realistic enough, and it would be at the sacrifice of character development stuff even that I, I think it's adding to character yeah, development even that episode it was billed as like there's gonna be a lot of action in the stones, but it was really just like the last 10 minutes of after like the 50 yeah. minutes of the hunt and the the white heart and yeah. the prophecy and the great speech in front of the fire and all that yeah you're you're totally yeah i'm totally with you there what are you drinking today sean i've got myself a a, a coffee as usual but it's in a star wars mug instead of my usual thermos so you know whoo big change <laughs> <laughs> I have another murky mix here. That is murky. Where I don't want to commit to red or green, <laughs> so I'm or black slash red or green. I'm mixing. This is the the raspberry. Uh, what do you call that? The sparkling ice. The naked green machine and rainbow bang. Whoa, rainbow! Which I don't even know what flavor it is because it mixes with all this other stuff. <laughs> so you de- don't take color sides when it comes to colors when the blacks greens you just pour it all together in one cup i mean we, yeah. all whole. we all know sean's team pink though. <laughs> that's true Sean that's right team pink. that's right in case y'all didn't know that's his actual last name yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um we will well i will be in new york on october 27th for the george r martin neil gaiman event shay will be in new jersey on november 3rd for the george r martin kevin smith event and all three of us Right, Sean? You're going to be there in December? We'll be at the Game of Thrones Creation Entertainment Convention in Los Angeles in December. So if you're going to be at any of those, let us know. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anthony De Palma sends a super chat. No question. Appreciate that, Anthony. Divine Miss Z says, did y'all see the painted table said gray tower watch instead of gray water? I did not. I I did see that. (laughs) And I'm like, well, is there any room for gray water watch to have been renamed? (laughs) Probably not. Map makers make mistakes all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's also true. I was going to say there's a lot of room for them to just not have the map right. Like, I mean, probably in reality, it was was an error. Some detail of the showrunners. But I think it's very reasonable for people in that world to not exactly know the name of every item yeah place you can write this off as an in-world mistake unlike a, say a starbucks cup well, like that about, you just okay. can't write right off is uh there's also summer hall on the map well there would be the ruins of summer hall right well summer hall wouldn't oh, no, summer hall isn't built yet oh my god been built right. yet but that's it's on the map mistake. there's no that, way around that's when well you, you can't it's you harder. can still have that it's not a castle the location is called that called, maybe there was like a building there. yeah I mean, yeah you can you can also Viserys could have had a dream. Aegon could have had a dream. <laughs> they might dreams. know that castle's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, you're right. It's all about the dreams. Totally. He dreamt of Summer Hall, and so they put it on the map. <laughs> he didn't know what he was really dreaming of. He was like, "Oh my god, that's what I was dreaming of." Crap. All right, let's do our let's do our three by three. Last week's Facebook poll: the winner was 
Not a big surprise, I think. Olivia Cook, 43%. Eve Best, 24%. And Tom Glenn Carney, that's Aegon. 10%. That's a, those are the three I picked <laughs> in order. So the, I was very much in sync with y'all, at least those of y'all in our Facebook group on the voting there. So that's cool. This week, um, I always, as always, I encourage you to join our discussions on Facebook or Discord. Those are the main places you can interact with us, but also uh, Twitter and email are valid ways to uh, hit us up. I had a tough call this time. Emma Darcy or Matt Smith and I went back and forth on them. And I'm going to go with Matt Smith because I hadn't picked him at any any of these weeks. I figure that's a valid enough tiebreaker when this is all just for fun anyway. And I've picked Rainier, both actors, <laughs> multiple times. So I figured, you know, Matt's was, he's hit a lot of seconds and thirds and fourth places. So he was so close this time. I'm going I'm to go ahead and knock it, knock it down for him. I'm going to go ahead and say same thing for the same reason. Really? Uh, yeah. I've, I felt like there wasn't quite anyone in this episode that particularly stood out among the others. And Matt Smith has been second or third a bunch of times. So this is my chance to pick him too. Cool. All right. And Shay, what about you? I'm coming out team Eamon versus both of you saying Damon. Uh, just, I, I particularly appreciate, I know Eamon Mitchell didn't have a whole lot as Eamon this episode, but his final, the final shot with him realizing what he had done, like the subtleties of that performance, him when he was trying to like bully Luke and Storm's end. And, you know, you can just tell that like he, you know, he, is is still torn up about his own childhood bullying. I don't know. Like I, I I'm picking Ewan Mitchell as as Amond, but it really is just as much a credit to Leo Ashton's Amond that ma- mm. that made me care about Ewan's Amond right here. Ultimately, really? like it was the legwork of the children that that worked for me. He but has that. He has that like barely contained rage that goes back to like serenity and immediately to rage again. Like he's oh. like, you were control keeping that in really well until you weren't. And now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was a close pick for me too. Yeah. Jay, like, as I said, there's a bunch I liked and I, I almost picked him for kind of the same reason you said, because a lot of what he did was kind of subtle and I feel like I want to draw attention to it, but I think we're going to draw a bunch of attention to a bunch of attention to it anyway. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to name Amond in season two. I think we'll have some good some good times. <laughs> Highlight plot slash scene. I'm going to say the painted table preparation, all the like the lighting of the candles and the music and the procession of her walking in. That was very cool. It's very cinematic. That's something I, I I noted about this episode. It's the most cinematic of the 10 episodes so far, the closest to being like a movie with its its presentation and, and some of the just like glorious music and acting and, and scenic combinations. Hmm. I really like how they featured the coals and how the coals lit things up. Oh, Sean loves when they feature <laughs> coals. <laughs> wow. Those are very crispy coals. <laughs> Shay, what was your favorite highlight uh, plot slash scene? I really liked the uh, scene with Corlys and Rhaenys mm. uh, speaking with one another because I'd been kind of... I had my I had low expectations for what we might get with Corlys and Rhaenys and I really liked Corlys bringing up like Rhaenyra killed our son. I liked all of that. I wasn't as much a fan of then him just coming and swearing to her. I don't really feel like the payoff was there for Corlys to make that flip. Like, he literally just brought up, she killed our son. Like, I I, I can only imagine that Corlys and Rhaenys are, don't think that. I, I don't know. So she's supporting Rainier and not Damon, I think, is kind of the, the point there. Like, yeah. she can kind of separate them in his mind. Like, she didn't like, kill you know, she's like he's she's complicit 
is what they said. You know, yeah, like, it's Damon a stretch did it, for me. It's a stretch for me, but I appreciate yeah, Corley's bringing up his his uh, reservations about this Lenor yeah. death. So, like, I appreciated that scene, and I really, in general, appreciated Corley's uh recognizing that he was not a good husband mm. and him him kind of taking responsibility for all that and so i'm curious to see where that goes in season two with how their relationship uh continues to play out and what scenes we get with the two of them i guess so right on that was my thought there too well, even if it maybe was a stretch i feel like corley's was supporting rainey's there yeah. Not so much Rhaenyra. Yeah, yeah. and Rainey's is like, yeah. no, we got to do this. He's like, okay, well, I'm with you then. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're and, right. It's, and it's their grandchildren. That's that's like an inescapable part of this. It's that's their children or grandchildren that are involved. It's the side they're taking. So it's the side their family is still on. Um, so highlight dragon bit. I'll say. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped mine. yours. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. I did interject for. Yeah, that's kind of what I was but, thinking uh, there. <laughs> uh, mine was a, a kind of a happened kind of quick, but. There's a moment when Rainey's is sitting at the painted table. We're kind of seeing her profile and all the men are standing around and it's the, the background noise is kind of subdued. Something I appreciate. They play with the audio a lot. And you could just hear them squabbling over who's going to die and what's going to happen in a battle. And she's almost removed from it. You know, she's like hearing this talk all around her. I think it was right mm. in there when Rainey's was saying, Rainier is the one talking to Corliss. Rainier is the one holding the realm together. All the men standing around want war, and she's stopping it, you know. And I, I, I thought it was a really good moment they had just of her sitting at the table with all these old white men talking about how they're going to conduct <laughs> war. And she just doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't want war at all. Yeah. It, was a, it was a real quick moment. It only lasted like maybe two That's seconds. That's a great call out. An image. And, and, you're, and Sean, I want to draw some uh, something you may not be aware of. Um, in the behind the scenes, Eve Best said that that was one of the moments that turned her character around for Rhaenyra. One of the reasons she didn't burn everyone at the coronation was because she there are several reasons one of them that we didn't mention was that she wasn't sure Rhaenyra was going to be a good enough leader she's like I don't want to necessarily throw my lot in with this side if I can't trust her leadership but that moment where she had that restraint it wasn't cowardice and she recognized it wasn't cowardice it was restraint right like if it was cowardice that would be more examples of of poor leadership but it was restraint and she's like ah restraint that's a good quality in a leader and that was something that helped turn her around on that so i thought that was pretty pretty important interesting though allison was exercising that same restraint yeah trying to you know and there's a lot of parallels here between what allison and rainier are doing all the men around allison are like all right let's go to war now all the men around rainier are like all right let's go to war now and the two of them are both trying to stop Mm, it yeah highlight dragon bit I wrote in the notes, A New Hope opening scene. Because, yes, my favorite moment of this episode is the opening sequence to Star Wars A New Hope. No, what I mean by that <laughs> is that when Vagar passes over Arax, it's like the opening scene of A New Hope when the Star Destroyer is just overwhelming Leia's uh, ambassadorial ship, which is yeah. also an emb- embassy. It's also an, it supposed to be an, um, uh, like a diplomatic mission, and there's even a Luke <laughs> involved. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's right. Even though it's sad, we're laughing. It's like, aha, Luke, who dies three minutes later. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that really gave me... It's not the only Star Wars comparison I have in this episode, which is part of why I'm drinking out of a Star Wars mug. A nod to Star Wars, yeah. So I thought that was very cool and just, just like ominous and terrifying too. Like, whoa, that dragon is so big. Like you've seen Vagar, but like we haven't really seen Vagar up close with other dragons next to her. And that was like, wow, goodness. <laughs> In the clouds and everything. So cool. Ashay, what about you? I really liked it when Damon was singing his lullaby to Vermithor, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I'm a little curious what his what, what's up with him doing that with, yeah. with another dragon. He's cheating on Caraxes there. 
Um, but we'll talk about that more later. But I liked the lullaby a whole lot um, and the idea that Damon is putting the work in, I guess. You know, and folks, let me tell you, we've got the lyrics to that song that Damon sang to Vermithor in this episode. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Sean? Are you going to sing it for us? Uh, I don't. I don't quite have the, no, the melody have down. Melody <laughs> down. <laughs> Nor do I speak high Valyrian. We've got the English translation. I should say, not the <laughs> not the Valyrian. Sean, what about you? What's your pick here? It might be low hanging fruit, but I picked the same mm. scene that you picked. With the uh, part of why I appreciated it was because you kind of knew it was going to happen. Right when Jace is flying or, or uh, Luke is flying away and he's kind of anxious and looking around, you know, Amon's not just going to let him go. And despite knowing it's going to happen, ooh, it was still like when it did happen, it was still like a good moment. Yeah. And and also, I think it was really good to demonstrate the difference in their size and it how much difference it makes to have the bigger dragon. Rhaenyra tried to point that out to Damon. It's like, <laughs> like you know, oh. we got 12 and they only have three. She's like, yeah, but they have that, the big ones. You know, so. <laughs> like, they got that one huge one. That's like, yeah. yeah, we've got two TIE fighters. They've got a Star Destroyer. Hey, Star yeah. Wars coming in again for you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's that's a good call, Sean. We'll, and we'll have more to say about that as well. JC says, the book implies an exchange of dragon fire. Did you expect more of a fight? Mm. I had forgotten about the exchange of dragon fire when I was rereading that part to... to Com- compare the two there is the mention from like the, the battlements people were able to see from a distance they said there was like shots of fire necessarily um i can maybe explain some of that as maybe there were there's a mix of lightning and fire and some of the people observers weren't necessarily sure which was which because given it's a, a great distance and there's so many clouds so i can kind of write that off that way but mm, but i didn't i didn't expect more of a fight because i knew it would be just there's no, there's not much of a fight could happen here. I don't see how much it could be much of a contest, but um, they could have. I mean, they could have done more like evasion, more. They could have drawn it out a little more, but I, I didn't expect their air axe to be able to put much of a struggle up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much more we'll talk about this later. I have a few more thoughts, but I could, I can hold them. Yeah, let's, let's unless you have something that you don't think we're going to bring up later, we'll we'll uh, we'll just get to that when in, in the intended. I, I'll sections. say. Worth uh, reminding everyone that I'm unsullied. I don't have an expectation from the book, right? right? So true, I didn't. Yeah. I had no idea what or if even this uh, conflict here was going to happen. Much less the amount of dragon fire they're quote unquote supposed to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I was totally fine with this. I thought it was very well balanced and timed and etc. I like that Arax fought back. Like that was cool. Like just from like the the yeah. dragon, the way their minds work and all that. But yeah, again, we'll talk about more of that later. Well, the mindset of a dragon. dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Connor Cunningham says, "Was Luke eaten whole or did he fall?" And this proved Viserys right about who controls dragons, not always the writer. Yes, this was a great callback to one of the most important lines from episode one: the illusion that we control the dragon, or that the the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. We saw that very clearly here. Both dragons were out of control. Not just the small, not just the big one, right? Even Arax was like attacking Vagar. And Luke is like, that's suicide. Don't do that, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think he was eaten because of the way it looked like Vagar grabbed him like right in the center of his body. Right I think where he the was partially was. eaten. What's that? I think he was half eaten. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. he, I think Vagar chomped them both in half and ate some of it. And then the rest of it just fell in that time. Mm-hmm. I did screenshot it and I did see like two halves of the dragon very viscerally. Did Luke have a thumbs up there? He's like, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it, 
anything he ate was incidental. Like yeah. he ch- chomped them in half and some of it might have ended up going in his mouth, but he wasn't trying to eat them per se. There yeah. it is. Wow. It is kind of hard to tell Vagar what's going is on Vagar is a there. she, by the way. A she dragon. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I think I knew that. I need to remember it better. Yeah. <laughs> and Sora says, my favorite memes out of this episode are of Grandma Vagar thinking she was back in Dorne. We got him, Visenya. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yes, Vagar did torch a lot of castles in Dorne during <laughs> the era of the conquest. And yeah, maybe uh, maybe Vagar is senile. And um... <laughs> who was that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, who was that? Yeah. You messed up big time, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. You know, one other thought I'm scared I might forget later that I did want to point out. It's especially because we're talking about the idea of controlling the dragons. Luke kind of knew. Remember when he went to get on Arax? He's like, all right, listen to me now. Stay focused. Like, he kind of knew that he might not have full control in this moment. This, yeah, this obey me, dense, serve me. Yeah, he was moment. Yeah, reminding... he was like prepping him for this. Yeah. There's like a dog that's not healing. Like, there's a distraction. Dogs yeah. continue to be a great analog for comparison here. We're like, have you ever seen like a small person with a big dog and the dog is like gets excited and the person is like barely trying like they can barely contain this dog sometimes it happens with a small dog like the dog dog can be pretty strong you know um they can really pull you around or like a horse that i've personally have had a horse not obey me and it got my face all slashed up now uh, you have it out for horses yeah i do seriously (laughs) i don't like horses no i've ridden horses (laughs) since then but but it it did come up once and like what are your least favorite animals and i was like mosquitoes and horses (laughs) 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 people are like what mosquito or what did horses ever do my (laughs) my favorite animals are cats and horses uh Aubrey says, thanks for all the great content this season. Well, thank you, Aubrey, for supporting us. And we're so glad you came uh, here to, to enjoy it with us. And we will keep stuff going in the off season while um, season two is in the works. Brandilyn Price says, I want that song Game and Sings released in high quality so I can have Matt Smith sing to me, <laughs> sing me to sleep in Valyrian. <laughs> His voice was so beautiful and I need to know what that was about. Any ideas? Brandilyn, you may not have heard when you posted the Super Chat, but we do have the lyrics to that song. Later for later in the episode. So when we get to that scene, we will tell you exactly what is being said. Uh, that sounds like a good idea, though. I bet if they sold like alarm clock little things that, that just had that song, like only <laughs> like a little dragon skull the, the you could sit box, on your nightstand right? that sings that. But they do the little music boxes that you can have. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Uh, Anthony De Palma says, "Hey gang, been listening for a few years, but this is my first time watching y'all live." Sean, what's your favorite dragon name? Oh, so glad you could uh, catch us live, Anthony. I've, I've been recognizing your name for years, so I appreciate that you were able to make it live. That's cool. Do you have a favorite dragon name, Sean? You, you may not know them all yet. You might need to think about it and come back to yeah. this. Does anything come to mind off the top of your head, like a preliminary favorite? Maybe you can put it under the microscope for later. Or a least favorite dragon name. It's, <laughs> it's probably something I made up accidentally combining two names. <laughs> like, I think I <laughs> like... Cyraxes or something like that. <laughs> Funny you say that because George R. R. Martin's favorite dragon movie is, uh, what is it? Um, the dragon. Rain of Fire? No, it's the one from the 80s. Uh, dra- the dragon. Dragon Heart? Dragon Heart. Is that Dragon Heart? Yeah, well, the dragon is called, uh, Vermin, Verminar, Verminax Supreme, Vermithrax Supreme or something like that. And so Vermax and Vermithor are ref- are both like 
half that name, each half of that name, like mm. the Vermax. So it's, it is two names combined in that case, just like you said, except it's the other way around. It's one name split into two. So yes, apparently that's where that came from. Uh, Madeline R says, just wanted to thank you and all the other content creators who watched the episodes early, leaked or legit, and still waited until after the episode officially aired to post anything. Well, thank you, Madeline. Yeah, we're, this is a community experience. Like Ashay and I mentioned, the few times we did watch the episode early, which was when we watched it early, it was Saturday evening. So after our, <laughs> after our, uh, preview stream, it was, it was still frustrating. Like we wanted to talk about it right away and we missed that. We're like, ah, I can't talk to anybody. I mean, we could talk to each other, which was cool, but we wanted to like immediately, you can't go on Twitter. You can't, you know, just like watching it early just immediately isolates you from the community for a day or two or however long. So yeah. So we were motivated to do that. It wasn't just... Um... <laughs> uh, by the way, on the subject of favorite dragon names, mm-hmm. I'll say I think my favorite canon dragon names are probably Moondancer mm. and Dreamfire. Nice. Just I'll, I'll give an answer at least. Do, do I have to pick one from the Martin's world? No. Can I pick something from like Magic the Gathering Please. or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Still thinking. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. but, but okay. Well, we'll 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 get back to you uh, at the end of the episode. So themes and patterns. We'll list off some of the things we noticed in that regard. As I already said, it's the most cinematic episode, at least in my opinion. There's a lot of lack of preparation, despite warnings coming to bite people, quite literally in Luke's case. Uh, it's too late to back down. Things have come to a head, and it's too late to back out of it. Like in the case of Corlys, who's like, okay, we're done with ambition. She's like, actually, it's too late for that. Uh, a recurring pattern in the episode is they're talking at council and something comes to interrupt them. Whether it's um, a new person coming, or a message, or an embassy, or the sea snake, or the one time outside when they're having the funeral, and it turns into a coronation. Uh, miscommunications, errors in judgment have been a theme all throughout the season. They have led to a lot of the biggest tragedies. That's Certainly on display here in more than one place, but particularly at the end. Uh, Of course, we cited the seminal line from Viserys, the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. That could be itself a theme of this episode, but dragon lore in general and exploring the bond, as I said, is a big part of this. There's a lot of nods to things that were set up early in the season. There's a bunch of callbacks to episodes one through four, as well as a bunch of nods to Game of Thrones, the original show. And that... uh, you know, I mentioned Star Wars, but <laughs> this is, these are a little more relevant, the Game of Thrones reference. And filling big shoes, like owning up to someone else's legend, owning up to someone's place. Like, it happens in the first scene with Luke saying he's not fit to succeed the Sea Snake, given he gets sick before the ship is even left harbor. So yeah, something like half the episodes take place in the room of the painted table, and the first scene does, so we'll start there as well. I thought this was a maybe a little subtle to have Luke being the only person in the room because that's Westeros, right? He's in, he's kind of above the world. He's looking down on the continent, kind of like he's going to do at the end right before he dies. He's touching Driftmark with his hand. It's kind of a sign of, I don't know, he's he's wary or uncertain. Isn't that usually what the symbolism between like touching something gently like that means, Sean, in like a movie? That's kind of what we're supposed to be communicated to, I think. Yeah. Maybe un- uncertain, yeah. I mean, then he it's straight up mind. says it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He straight up says it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not really that subtle when he just explains himself a yeah. minute later. <laughs> so the setup is that he can't possibly follow Corlys. This has been set up already, you know, in prior episodes. They're expecting him to die, but of course it's a switcheroo. Luke's the one who ends up dying, 
and not and the season egg ends up recovering so big switcheroo there and i thought this was a little subtle thing too rainier comes in the room she's like there you are She's like, she's been looking for Luke, which is also kind of how the episode ends. Vagar, I kind of imagine Vagar going, there you are. <laughs> and then how, <"Humph." laughs> yikes. We're trying to, trying to make light of this tragic child's death here. Uh, Luke also expresses the whole big shoes to fill. Not only am I not good enough to fill the sea snakes shoes, snakes don't have feet. <laughs> That's where you're off, Luke. No shoes to <laughs> fill at all. But, uh, the moment between him and his mom where she's like, I'm not, I'm not like you, mom. I'm not so perfect. It's like, you, you showrunners with all this tender moments <laughs> before crushing our hearts. <laughs> That's what they do to us there. Yeah, I just, I really appreciated him referring to Rhaenyra as perfect right there because we've seen a whole season of Rhaenyra not being perfect, but then you like are able to put yourself in the eyes of this, this child, this baby who just like, he has no idea about Rhaenyra's past and life and all these things that we've seen. And it just, it really put my, it really helped put me into Luke's mindset right there. That's a great point, and, and it's, uh, it's suggesting I wanted to do in the future with these characters. Some of the stuff we want to do in the offseason is to follow the lives of certain characters and see what they see, like look at it through their eyes, because you're right, like the perspectives are hard to keep track of. What we see Rhaenyra is is not how Luke sees Rhaenyra, so we have to kind of parse it and see, okay, so this is what Luke would have, this is what his life would be like as best as we can tell, from, given what stimulus and what events he was witness to. What do you think, Sean? Well, when I was going to say, it's also worth noting that uh, Renera isn't necessarily what she sees herself as, or okay. no, no one is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, to that point, maybe she said something to the effect of, "You know, I had to earn my inheritance." And I remember thinking, "Like, did you earn your inheritance?" You know, like, I, <laughs> I mean, one does anyone in general, but also there's a lot of proactive things she could have done that she didn't do. Yeah, but maybe she isn't necessarily gonna exactly say that to her son in this moment she wants him to feel like he needs to earn it I, yeah you know, there's a lot of ways to look at that uh, she another thing she said that kind of rings like oof uh, is it really though rainier she said i'll help you prepare for your duties and for what life is going to bring to you just as i was prepared it's like yeah you <laughs> which is you weren't very well prepared they didn't prepare you very well so that is kind of true you didn't you sent this this boy <laughs> out he probably wasn't ready for this um, and I'm not saying ready to encounter Vagar because no one's ready for that. I mean, ready like he he was scared the whole time, even before Vagar was realized Vagar was there. He was just scared to be a diplomat. Like the whole thing was intimidating for him. I don't, I don't know that he was fully ready for it. And, and as we'll get to later, there's some things he could have done that if he wasn't so intimidated, it might have gone a little differently. It might have gone actually gone decently well. Yeah. And, and talk about, oh, as you say, talk about trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that. and we'll talk about it a little bit more later too, but it's like Rainier had other options available to her for this. Yes, yeah, that's too. true. We will. So it's we not, will it's not like this was her only option was to send her, her, to send Luke. Yeah. She may not have properly calculated how dangerous it was, but it may have been a good way to put trust in him and give him confidence. I, I'm not necessarily saying it was her best option, but I I think it was a, a good point. I don't agree I with people who say it was a terrible <laughs> idea, but I think there were there flaws with yeah. the idea. Yeah. I don't, I yeah. think some people think it was just also, like stupid, but I'm like, I wouldn't go that far. Also, it's hard to not be results oriented. Yes. What if Amon hadn't been there? Yeah. With, uh, yeah, exactly. With, or uh, if he had been there and left all Baker, how differently would it have gone? Yeah. You know, that part's bad if, luck. If, yeah. If he, right. If he, not purely bad luck because they did get the initiative, right? Yes. The, the Greens did. I agree. Have right. initiative. Partly, it first, seems pretty they, obvious that 
there would be an envoy from the Greens there as well. Again, right. Rhaenyra yeah. couldn't have anticipated it would end in death. Like that, I don't blame her for that. But I think she could have anticipated that there might be another counter offer. They might have sent dragons too. And sent a dragon too. Like, like yeah. there's a lot of things she could have anticipated and, and prepared Luke for. Because they did have, they did sit around the the painted table thinking about, all right, what what are our resources? What do we have? What are things we can do? Send these ravens out. Did anyone stop for a minute and think what has Otto done already? No, they had. Who would they go yeah. message? You know, they weren't putting themselves in their enemies. And this shoes. isn't criticizing the writing. This is this is, I think, a reflection of how unused to war, planning for war. All these people are. None of them have any experience at war. Damon's war was in the Stepstones, so he has some experience in war. The Seasonic has some experience in war, but it's a very different type of war. And like it's a basically fighting against people that they don't care about versus the people who they, they intend to make their subjects, which is very, very different. And even in that war where they have ostensibly a pretty clear advantage, they had at least two dragons yeah. against just some mercenary sailors. You know what I mean? It wasn't like some massive trained army or something. And they still struggled to win that war, right? Yeah. They probably didn't plan it very well. They 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 were at odds with each other about what the plan Master should be. Complaints yeah. was saying Damon's leadership wasn't yeah. good, which I don't know if he knows what good leadership looks like, but given what we've seen <laughs> from Damon, I'm like, I can believe his leadership was bad. <laughs> I can believe yeah. he was hot-headed and not, like, did made decisions based on pride rather than, you know, smart decisions, uh, hmm. strategy or whatever. But yeah, I do look at, like, that's, there's the scene where Rhaenyra assigns the tasks, right? And she says, okay, Jace, you're going to do this. And Luke, you're going to do this. And in that scene, also around in the room, are Bela and Reyna, who... Bela's a dragon rider as well. And Rhaenys, who's also a dragon rider, right? And so in my head, I just don't see why you would send... Like, I get that sending Luke as a prince, like, that is an honorable... Like, like that is showing respect to Lord Boros, right? Like, so I get why she would send Luke. I just feel like you have, you just like, a, like send Rainey's with Luke or send Bela with Luke. And then like, you don't send your like 13, 14 year old son. Oh, I don't know. And it's like stormy. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I hated this decision from Rhaenyra as much when I read the book, but when I saw the scene and I saw the people in front of her and the options she had, it just seemed so obvious to me that she messed up. Yeah, Rhaenys is a much better choice. That's what we were going to say. Rhaenys is a better choice to send her because she's the one that's actually a Baratheon. They're like, they're taking this denial of Luke's true parentage a little too far and seeing it from their own eyes, whereas like, Boros Baratheon isn't going to look at Luke as his kin. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to call him a bastard, but we both know he's not really my kin. <laughs> but Rainey's is. <laughs> and she's obviously not intimidated. Like, she's going to be able to speak to him and, and not be f afraid of him, <laughs> you know. Another extra little bit of, I don't know, frustration or irony or whatever that she even said, like, Lord Baratheon would be happy to welcome a prince and his dragon. Oh, he was. Yes, he, he was. Would. Yeah, <laughs> he was happy to. Yeah, yeah. One he, dragon. He, the, the bigger one that got there first that agreed to marry his daughter. Yeah. So we'll come back a little more detail on that scene later. But um, uh, I, I had another thought in this scene. It was tied into something else I said too about like how we see ourselves. Yeah. Maybe like the idea of like uh, how we see them, how they are, how they might even see themselves. Damon in this scene when they find out Viserys is dead, 
he immediately suspects foul play. Yeah. It's not chicanery of some sort, right? He's like, they. Well, he has me. been yeah. suspecting it even before this episode. Yeah. This yeah. is just re- rehashing and, that. Yeah. And I think that at least partly has to do with a, a, a human tendency is to project how we are onto <laughs> yep. other people. If you're someone is dishonest, you're more suspicious of people lying to you. Yep. If you're someone who's honest, you're more aghast when you find out someone lied to me. You know, Damon would do something yep. like that. <laughs> and so he assumes that must be what someone he else He suspects did, murders because he's a murderer. I mean, yeah, you're yes. totally right. Yes. I totally 100% agree with that. Murderers expect other people to be murderers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I 100% agree with that. So that's part of and that And that really kicks off his mood for the whole episode. He starts off angry yes he's sad that his brother's dead but it's a it's a matter of revenge and pride as well there's not just that whereas rainier as we've said is more stoic about the whole thing and a little more restrained a lot more restrained really and then damon just throughout the episode he's he's like a caged animal he wants to get out he's like look you married me to be your sword to be your dragon unleash me now this is why you, you 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 literally told me i can't fight the greens alone you know i need you He's like, okay, well, here I am. It's happening. Unleash me already. So I kind of, from that perspective, I kind of understand his his rage, but not his <laughs> not his need to override strategy and thinking first. You know, <laughs> like you still Rainier's right. It's like, well, we don't even know who's on our team yet. <laughs> like we, yeah. like, what do you mean attack now? Let's a little slower. Come on, just a little slower. So anyway. Devorlin Blackwood says, thank you for being consistently excellent for years. I know the canons are different, but now I can't wait until we Westorians Valar reread us Fire and Blood. Yeah, that's definitely on the horizon as well. That's going to be a lot of fun to, to play with the different versions and keeping them straight and, and, and reimagining certain things with certain of the show characters, like their their imagery and some of these ideas that, that fits in pretty well. It might be a little bit more fun of a process, too, because... the in this scenario yeah. for for this book it's not an exact thing right it's like different perspectives of different people we can't rely on so it won't be quite as much the show got it wrong it's more like the show showed us another way to look at yeah. it right yeah i do like yeah it is different that way it's a, a very unique um origin behind it all yeah most most adaptations are more like a song of ice and fire than they come from a novel <laughs> you know fiction novel or series of novels rather than a fictional world book you know, even like even the Rings of Power, which is kind of in that regard, is based on um, things that aren't in the main books a lot. So that's maybe the closest comparison. And even that's a lot different. Um, Stark type says thoughts on the punctuation of Craig and pronunciation, 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 pronunciation of Craig and <laughs> Stark in this episode. <laughs> and who is a dream casting for Craig and Stark? I'll say it both ways. Yeah. So we've always said Craig and they said Craig So, oh, well, you know, you know, and it's funny because <laughs> there's some pronunciations where I'm like, I'll always say Corlys, not Corliss, because I feel like I don't want to say anus. So I'll say, anus, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, it, it, it comes from that for me. But I don't have any reason to say Craig versus Craig. so I think I'm going to try to move my pronunciation over to Cragen if I can. Uh, so so that's one that got me, but I generally I abide by what George has said, which is that there are no correct pronunciations. Say it how you want. Yeah. As long as people know who you're talking about. <laughs> like don't pronounce Cregan driveway. That's that's confusing. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, Dreamcasting. Again. Do you do you have anyone have an idea here? I don't have. I've thought about this. I'm I'm regularly someone who draws blanks when someone I'm, asks me to cast a character. I'm like, oh. I'm regularly someone who wants an unknown. This is you know, Cragen mm. should be about 21 tw- to 25. You know, he should be in his early 20s. There's probably the most likely actor would be someone that I know from very little things. It would yeah, be my Rainier ideal choice. Point that out. That was a nice like one liner. She's like, well, he's closer to your age than than mine. So. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, like you guys are doing cast and fan casting him. Do not cast a forty year old man. We like, he, yeah. Um, it is a frequent a, 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 a issue when people fan cast. Is they're like, you and Mitchell is going to be Craig and Stark and Eamon Darker. <laughs> interesting. I don't have a, a an idea like you just now said he's twenty one, but I didn't know that even. So I, yeah. it's hard for me to like think who it like, should how be. How old is this? But guy, knowing yeah. he's twenty one, I would like to see a. Uh, this is almost the opposite of what you're sh- saying, Shay. But uh, oh, what's his name? He's like the hottest young actor right now. <laughs> he's been in like thirty movies already. Timothy uh, Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. I'd like to see a bulk out <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. That's what I want. <laughs> this conversation was what I was like the most. I was like, I'm like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> we have a mind meld going. I, the yeah. Dragon Bond. Yeah. we've got that going. Here. You know, We're... Sean's type is Kristen Cole. So you're like, what's the most Kristen Cole esque young actor today? <laughs> <laughs> Fabian and Sure, Timothy. they are. We need but a movie like dark, where those two are, are slight men. <laughs> yeah, she we cast all know Sean's type now. No, I think Sean meant hottest. Like hottest is in. He's very popular right yeah. now. To be clear, We're, but he meant both. I meant both. Yeah. Okay. I, yes. See, my <laughs> well, watch out. Fabian Frankel's going to turn out to be cast in Dune too. We're like, <laughs> is he in Atreides? <laughs> Some hidden Atreides cousin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, David Monroe says, I love the twist of the Targaryens not having complete control of the dragons. Didn't see that coming. Had happy tears at the end of the episode. Yes, same here. It's a great twist. I love it so much more than the idea of Aemon just cackling to himself flying off, which is kind of the, the idea you get from the book from Fire and Blood, but which is a history book. So like the maesters don't know. No one was there. It's a perfect example of no one was there. <laughs> there are people maybe from a distance who could barely see that, you know, from the castle walls. That's what Fire and Blood implies. But no one knows when a- is in Eamon's head. And Eamon might... There's already theories out there that Eamon's going to say he did it on purpose because of that old adage, it's better to look evil than incompetent. Right? And that would be what yeah. gets into the history books. That if he says he did it on purpose, they would take him at his word. Like, why would they doubt that? So... Yeah, I love it too. It, it 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 adds so much more both to his character, to dragon lore in general, to what we we can't. It, it's like wow, so much more is unpredictable that we in the future. Like so many, what other dragon is going to just go off script? <laughs> or it, it also fits what's been set up so far too, yeah, quite at well. least in the show. Yeah, right. Visara saying like, "Hey, we shouldn't have done this. We do. It's an illusion. We control them." I, I another funny tweet I saw, which I know to get credit for this, but it was. You know, it was like a, a series of images of Danny burning King's Landing, and it's like Danny was innocent. Yeah. It's like her, Drogon, no, like, Drogon, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's why her face was all twisted. She's like, I can't get this dragon yeah. to stop. He just won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped obeying me. Yeah, the Danny stands are all over that one. They're like, see, she's innocent. <laughs> David Man. Oh, uh, no, that's I read that one already. So we'll talk about Visenya now. That was I don't think they said the name, but in the book. That little child that Rhaenyra loses here is named Visenya, and that was set up in episode one when she had already nicknamed the unborn child. She's like, oh, it's going to be a girl named Visenya. <laughs> and then and remember Emma and Viserys are like, ooh, 
we've already got a Visenya in our family, and they're you know they're talking about Damon. But um, which is interesting because Visenya's dragon was Vagar. It's already come up this episode that we've talked about, and so it's kind of a neat little uh, circle there. Now, the news of the coronation and her father's death sends her into early labor. But this child was not right to begin with. By the time the baby comes out, you get a look at it. You can't really exactly tell. Like, it's covered in blood. But, like, she's missing a leg. I'm not sure she had arms. Some people think there were scales. It's hard to tell. Uh, the head was not shaped right like a normal human head. Yeah. This is this has got to be something coming from the books, I assume. Uh, well, all the things I'm describing? Yeah, I mean, I believe these things were in the scene. I didn't take note of it. Yeah, to me, I didn't notice. Yeah, anything they are in the book. Out of that, I mean, maybe I, I was half like turning away from it. To be fair, you're but. right. They are in the book, and so we were kind of looking for it. Um, but okay. but the but not exactly like that. Like in the book, it doesn't describe the missing leg, for example. But I was just like, whoa, there's only one leg there. Uh, some people said there were nubs of wings they could see, which is described in the book. Like there's little dragon stub wings. It's supposed to be like Rago, which they didn't show Rago in the show. In season one of Game of Thrones, by the way, here's one of our many callbacks to season one of Game of, or to Game of Thrones in general. Uh, yeah, think about that. Like in the book description of Rago, it was like they had a whole like, grave worms and wings and demon qualities and dragon qualities. So yeah, supernatural. This is not a standard, normal set of deformities that a child can have. This is not a standard stillbirth. This is there's magic wonder, in play here. I think for what it's worth, I wonder if they wanted in the, I, the show. For, I don't. I didn't see it. I, 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 to me, it looked like it was a premature stillbirth. It didn't, I didn't see what people were seeing there. Well, you see what I'm saying. Like the child was missing. Le- like you yeah, don't like, see like, the dragon like stuff. But... Like, to me, that's like, that's not really the dragon. I don't see the dragon stuff is my point. Okay. I don't see the dragon stuff. Um, like I, it's in the book. I, so if... I, I get why people would be primed to see it, but I don't. I thought it was a little, I don't know what word I'm going to use. Grotesque, maybe even distasteful to be showing this bloody deformed baby so much. I feel like they spent, a lot of people might be kind of disturbed by this. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe they want, maybe for the sake of people wanting to see deformities because they're expecting it from a book, they drew it out longer than what might have seemed normal or appropriate yeah, to other people. Yeah. I don't know. They certainly were giving the dragon vibes, though, whether you see it in the, in the fetus or in the child or not, because of the Cyrax flashes, like when she's. They were cutting back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely yeah. the draconic imagery. Like there's definitely d- dragon vibes all over the scene, whether they were intending to show that in the child or not. So the vibes are there one way or the other, even if we can't get at the specifics. So that's really interesting. So she's kind of like, it's also kind of like, I got the vibe of her not letting anyone near her. It was like, she's a dragon in that moment too. She didn't want human touch because in that moment she was a dragon. Also, just goodness, that is a tough woman. She didn't like, that's the only time she sits down. (laughs) Like the whole episode, (laughs) except when she's in the saddle, like in one day, she's like, my father dies. I lose a kid. It's a miscarriage. Uh, I bury the child. I have the child's funeral. I get crowned. <laughs> and like, she never sits down <laughs> except when she's cradling the child on the floor there. Very tough woman. And she doesn't break until the end when it's just too much. It's finally, the grief is overwhelming, but we'll get to that. Uh, so at the beach, meanwhile, she's like, instead of calling for help, she's like, send my sons in here. Jason Luke are outside practicing. We get another callback or a throwback to episode six where Jace is being really aggressive training with Luke and the Kingsguard steps. It's like, hey, maybe that's a little too aggressive. It's very similar to the way 
Kristen Cole goaded their real father into stepping in when they were training between the two sets of boys. Very similar vibes there. So uh, even with, I, yeah. Yeah, I definitely took note of that too. I wondered where they were going with that. And then Luke ends up dying. So, But I, I wondered if there was going to end up being some conflict between those brothers. If hmm. Jace was going to go too far in some other way. Maybe it's not too late for that now. Just but. somewhere else, yeah. Well, shout out to Joe yeah. Magician. I'm wearing a Joe Magician shirt. I was on his... Uh, episode last night the uh, post-show recap stuff and he suggested maybe jace is become more aggressive at training because uh, of how much he was shown up by aemond when in that scene when he punched aemond and aemond's like "Eh, barely barely felt that and then just shoves him down with one hand and knocks him off his feet he's like whoa you really (laughs) that dude just physically dominated you so he might be like i might be like playing hard to try to catch up Remember, Chris and Cole tried to teach that lesson, too. Yeah, like, he exactly. encouraged uh, Aegon, I think, at the time. In this exact scene that I was referring to, yeah. Yeah, Aegon, you know, got uh, Jace down, and then Kristen pushed him to keep keep going. Don't let him up. Yeah. You know? And now it seemed like Jace is doing the same thing to Luke there. Yeah. And Kristen was kind of doing it as this tough... I mean, he had multiple motivations going on there, and I won't justify him too much. But he was at least partly trying to make the point, like... Look, your enemy's not necessarily going to be fair or nice to you, and when it really comes to battle, and, and I think that Jace saw up. that. Yeah, right. Jace saw that when with Amon, and so now maybe Jace, in the same way, Kristan wanted to teach it when he wants to teach it to his younger brother. I, it's a, it's a pretty crappy thing to have to want to teach someone, yeah. but as part of war or combat or these times or whatever. And this is another sign that Luke just isn't cut out for it. Like he's apologizing. He's not like fighting back. He's like apologizing to his brother for not being good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, he's like, sorry, I'm sorry. You know, and it's like, that's, that's not the warrior mindset that Jace is trying to impart to you. Cause he's also, cause he's not teaching it very well <laughs> but i just don't think yeah, luke true. was cut out yeah. for it that's the other thing this is not luke was luke's not a warrior or a sailor or uh what is he I'm he's a flyer sure. he I didn't have time to he yeah, never he didn't have had time, time to find, to that out. find no. himself he's a boy yeah. is what he yeah. is he's right he's an, eye gouger. Yeah. <laughs> he's an eye gouger <laughs> <laughs> he never got to his true calling was to cut out more eyes like set up a shop on the street of silk eye gougings I <laughs> gougings anyone you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah so they go they get Rainier a rainy shows up and brings them in and they go to talk to their mother and she tells them what's happened and Luke reacts like Viserys because he's all like my granddad's gonna die any minute now and it's his other granddad that dies there's another thing it's like hard to keep track of like Yes, he was thinking of his sea, his granddad, the sea snake, but and now he finds out his granddad, the king, has died instead. So I was like, oh, about now I'm about to lose both my granddads because he's still not thinking the sea snake is going to recover. That hasn't happened yet in this episode. And she stops Jason and is like, make sure you conduct yourself as the heir from now on. You're the heir to the throne. You have to act like it, you know? And he's like, yes, mother. Very seriously. By the way, he had another granddad also die a little while ago, right? Lionel, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. That was technically his granddad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, that was that was like eight years ago. <laughs> I'm assuming Lionel Strong's wife was like long dead at that point. Just she's never came up because otherwise he has an alive grandma. It didn't. Yeah, it never did come up in the book. He marries like three times, and uh, mm. I don't know what happens with. I think his third wife may have been dead too by the time mm. the book. Sorry, I forget though. Morbid thought, but whatever wife he may have had probably got burned up in Harrenhal. Maybe. We could hope that since the castle is so large, she was elsewhere, but 
that's one of the good times one of the times you hope that the couple doesn't share a room (laughs) this will be a good thing this time uh damon let's talk about him because they ask where he is jason look like where's damon and and rainiera is yelling for him he's not coming he's inexorable still his rage is very fresh at this point and she says he's gone to madness so she kind of recognizes that he's not quite right he's yeah she says that to jason look he's like he's gone to madness and it means mm. kind of- oh sorry i was thinking of a different moment when someone was asking uh, oh. about that yeah. sorry i'm getting things messed up yeah the one thing he said because later someone asked where's Dama. they're like having a meeting at oh the yeah when he's off at like, the dragon other responsibilities took him away yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah, this- yeah. i wonder if that moment if rain if rainier actually knew where he was or not she might not have I guess we'll get to that later. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But no, I thought it was super interesting that Rhaenyra was so um, blunt with both Jace and Luke about Damon in that moment. Like, obviously, she's in the middle of uh, giving birth. And so, you know, all delicacies are kind of out the window <laughs> right there. But still, that's like an extreme. Like, if you think about the a mother telling her children that their stepfather has gone to madness and like well, the thing she said about Damon is it's, it's pretty real. Yeah. I, yeah. She like, was, she, you know. she wasn't exaggerating either. You're right. It was very blunt, but uh, I think she partly was preparing Jace because Jace goes in and immediately tries to start telling Damon, Hey, stop. My mom said not to do that. And that's of course what leads to the, the Kingsguard scene outside. One thing before that, though, Damon says, okay, if the Greens are going to make any moves this early, it's going to be a stealth attack. He's right. They were going to send an assassination party led by Harold Westerling to do exactly that. It's ironic that the person he accuses of killing his brother is the person most responsible for stopping that attack, Alicent. Of course, Harold Westerling just wasn't going to do it. So there's that, too. He gets a lot of credit. Uh, And that kind of shows that Otto's not quite as dangerous as Damon thinks of him because it's like Otto's whole plan was to order this Kingsguard Lord Commander to do that. Like he was never going to do that. <laughs> you know, like, it was a bad idea to to, to rely on that. Um, so he may have done it in some other way. Like just because Harold yes. Wrestling didn't do it doesn't mean Otto didn't still have that plan. Which is why Allison and, still like made the move to get out in front of it. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Otto might still make that plan, right? <laughs> like, yeah, he might. Yeah. Like, once it happens, then what is Alice? Well, now they're on guard. It? It's kind of hard to assassinate them now. Yeah, but you're right. Well, not that there aren't ways, but it's not like he can't do the like catch them unawares part. That, that was what he was hoping for. Yeah. Now that's just off the table. Yeah. Um, Jason Damon. So they have their little mini power struggle. Damon's orders basically proceed anyway. He's like, go ahead and send those ravens. Like as Jace is like, don't. Blah, blah, and then Damon's like, and Lord's Celticar's like. All right, I'll send the Ravens. And that's that's basically what's demonstrated in that moment. It's like, I'm going to listen to the person who's a lot more threatening. I actually, Technically, Jace has the authority here, but Damon is the day. I'm going to listen to Damon. <laughs> Especially Damon in this moment might literally pull his sword out and chop my head off. Exactly. <laughs> which, yeah. And that's the lesson Damon's like, and this is why they're listening to me, <laughs> because they're afraid I'm going to cut their head off. And notice how he has his sword drawn this whole time. It's not out of its scabbard. I don't think, but this is an example. He pretty much has Dark Sister in hand, like the whole episode. It's almost never sheathed, and the few one of the few times it is sheathed, he draws it. <laughs> He's like to, to threaten Otto. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he is every sign of a tyrant. Yeah. Oh know? yeah. Like, he, he's acting like what Otto said he would be like, <laughs> even though Otto is also kind of acting that way himself. <laughs> so there, you know, and, and Aegon is. Has the personality of someone that will behave that way, the guy they just put into King. Maybe. We'll see about that. Like, like, like if Otto had a wish, if he had Melisandre or something, if he could just suddenly become a capable warrior, 
you might just go and challenge yeah. Damon to a sword fight or chop off someone's head in the middle of quarters. He, he might have been wanting to kill Beesbury in the, the council room or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. All these, all these second sons. Ever see? <laughs> no one should have more than one son in Westeros. It's the second sons <laughs> called Damon's second son. <laughs> Otto's second son. Vaymond, second son. Well, not really. Uh, actually, Corlys had an older brother. I think Corlys and Vaymond had an older brother. He was effectively the second son in terms of... And Corlys is a problem, yeah. too, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so so Damon leads Jace outside. Look, here's a real lesson in in loyalty. Really, it was a lesson in fear, but loyalty, fear is a way to acquire loyalty. I wouldn't say inspire. It's the wrong <laughs> phrasing. But it, it's a bit heavy-handed. Maybe a bit is too mild it's heavy-handed and we've seen other leadership styles work but we've so it's not the only way to lead what damon's doing here but damon again damon's on he doesn't trust people because he's a murderer so he needs to scare them into submission because he's he doesn't he won't trust them any other way and he still doesn't probably trust them <laughs> yeah like even what he said was like let me show you what loyalty means wow. like how is this what loyalty no, means yeah it's intimidation it was it was just, it was stupid yeah. to me I, I was like i i don't i don't get that he really taught jace much of any lesson there at all it seems like a huge waste of their time like it seems like the sort of thing that you do that to someone and they say yeah i swear and then they're like actually i don't i'm gonna leave now like I, it seems like yeah. it would drive the king's guard away not solidify them as swearing I, I don't know it just seemed like the wrong strategy to me it, yeah i totally agree even, totally wrong strategy even if it actually works to get their loyalty it's still not the only way to get the loyalty a. Mm -hmm. B. Are you sure you didn't have their loyalty already? Yeah. C. If you did, you might have degraded it a little bit just mm -hmm. now. D. What lesson are you teaching? I could go on and on. Like, uh, anyway. Okay, so Almost let's let every C with Damon. I was like, oh, I can, let me make a list of what's wrong with this now. Like, Contrast two examples that worked that that were done well, but similarly, Rob Stark with Grey Wind at his side, kind of intimidate, looking intimidating, maybe growling a little while he's commanding his vassals, telling them like, hey, I'm in charge now, blah blah. But he's not threatening to torture them he's not telling he's just like it's all implication it's this it's the iron gauntlet versus the silk glove and he's like he reminds them that the gauntlet is there but he's presenting the glove damon is just straight gauntlet here he's like i'm in your face i will kill you if you mess you know if you don't obey yeah it, there's no subtlety no winning them over uh his great-grandfather or grandfather jaharis uh was did the same thing he flew to say storm's end and some other places with just vermithor and was like hey i'm here by myself i don't need to bring my retinue they get the message they see the huge dragon they're like i know there's more where that came from it's this is a little bit of a you know we're we're swirling a lot of topics but it's almost like when tywin tells you know anyone who needs to tell people they're the king isn't really the yeah. king like if Damon feels a need that he has to use the threat of his dragon to get someone's loyalty, that means you don't have their loyalty. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, you're right. Like, and 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 the way J. Harris is doing, he's braver. He's like, look, I a I trust you. I'm allowing. I'm turning my back to you. B, I'm trusting that you're not stupid enough to turn on me when I have a dragon right here. <laughs> like, I don't need to yeah. like spell this out for you. I don't need to insult your intelligence by explaining all this to you like look i'm in charge be cool and everything's gonna be cool rather than be cool or i will torture you to death you know like <laughs> it's, yeah it's just uh. another uh wrinkle in this it you know maybe doesn't really make a difference but this all presumes that 
and I, I don't know. Uh, the thing is that Damon and and pretty much everyone there, because they don't have full information, they're assuming that these are all traitors and liars and usurpers or whatever. But as far as Allison's, as far as maybe maybe even Westerling, definitely Kristen Cole or Amon, all those people back in King's Landing, they don't think they're traitors. They don't, they, yeah. you know, if those other Kingsguard had been a witness to what happened, they might have been more torn, right? And maybe Damon would have to threaten them into loyalty. But right, that's part of why I think it's extra weird for him to press this because they don't have any reason to not be loyal anyway. You know, it's as far as it seems to them on Dragonstone that they are traitors. But the fact that they aren't necessarily really traitors adds to the loyalty dilemma later on if they find out the truth they're like oh we were loyal because we thought a and were threatened b but now we know this truth and don't like being threatened it, it sets them up even more so if they no, maybe they don't get that information <laughs> maybe they're too deep to change at that point who knows but yeah he's not in, anyway, he's not we, he's, we talked a lot about this. he's not leading he's not raising morale he's not doing the things that leaders do at no point in the season has he shown leadership qualities he's shown like i'm above you qualities he's shown pride arrogance uh, he knows how to you know, dominate, but he doesn't know how to lead. And I'll attempt to be fair. There have been moments when he has been sympathetic, like oh, when yeah. he helped Vistars pick up his crown or he was understanding of uh, Rhaenyra when Emma had died or whatever. But none of those things justify all the murders he's committed. Yep. None of those things make him a good leader, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So let's move on to the funeral and the coronation. Uh, first, with after she loses the baby, she continues to do all this herself right she wraps the child herself the silent sisters are there but they're mostly just i'm observing handing her things i don't know they, they don't seem to be mostly just in a support role there meanwhile damon's down at the beach still holding dark sister but he is grieve he is grieving but it's still like manifesting his anger and that's i feel like if you could get really close i imagine like his, he's gripping the sword like tighter than he normally would like his knuckles would be going white so for both of them, it's mounting. There's lots of losses to keep track of. Loss of Viserys, loss of baby Visenya, the usurpation. At this point, Rhaenyra is handling it better. In fact, throughout the whole episode, she handles it better. She's more of a controlled person in general. She's more stoic. But also, Damon believes worse. He believes that they murdered Viserys, where Rhaenyra hasn't really weighed in on that. I think she's maybe open to that. She definitely feels betrayed by Alicent, given how they parted and how, like, we were going to... Come back and start rebuilding our friendship. And next thing you know, you've crowned your son. So that's a betrayal, even if she doesn't fully understand the circumstances. Something that Rhaenyra's, I, I think, thinking about that Damon isn't. As far as anyone knows or thinks, or well, maybe not as far as, but many people think that Rhaenyra and Damon murdered Lanor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, most but she knows it's not true. She knows that's just the story that's being told. So... Can't that also be the case? Like how, like, Damon, you can't act on this. You can't just assume this thing is true. If everyone assumed that we were murderers, they were already come for us. Yeah. You have to, mm. even if it is true, we can't know, we can't behave as though it is. And Damon is just is anyway, but she is not. Thank goodness. Yeah. So Eric arrives during this, the funeral and swears this is funny we were like swear toward us swears to ward the queen not toward the queen <laughs> we thought it was toward <laughs> like in your general direction but no it was to ward her against her enemy you know you know warding off things and he hands the crown to damon first damon is overcome it's a really it's a look he hasn't had on his face it was very meaningful like a 
like he's staring at the Targaryen sigil, which was highlighted, like they really focused on it, almost like maybe he thought this would be his one day, or it's making him think of his brother and just their life together and a lot of different things. But turns around, crowns her, and kneels. And it's it's a big change, the the mood. It's it's odd to have a funeral and a coronation combined like that. Um but and Rainey still you know, doesn't bow. <laughs> You sparked another thought in me, by the way. In fact, I should have brought this. I brought it up earlier. I wish I brought it up when you're talking about like the themes and patterns or whatever. I think it's another example of this sort of uh, parallel that happened several times in this episode of what's going on with the Greens and the Blacks, with Allison, Otto versus Damon and Rhaenyra. In a lot of ways through this episode, he was sort of ruling through her or over her. Kind of like Otto, like ostensibly... You know, Aegon's going to be the king, but we know really Allison and or Otto are going to be pulling the strings. Damon's kind of doing it over and over again. Theoretically, Rhaenyra is the queen, but he was making decisions, ignoring things that she said, pushing his agenda, kind of embarrassing her in front of even when the whole room was around. Yep. And and I, I, I had that same thought when he was like under that crown. There's probably a little piece of him. It's like, it should be me. And I think another piece of him kind of resigned to it'll just be me anyway <laughs> i'll just do what i want anyway does that make sense yeah you know? i'm the, bo- Especially, I'm the power behind the throne yeah <laughs> yeah um um oh shoot i have one of the little thought connected to that and i lost it uh it'll it'll come back and we should move on the painted table is lit so we get another moment with the painted table this is where we get the ceremony for it um oh actually backing up just a little bit i wanted to compare that last scene to D- danny's second to last scene or final scene in season one of game of thrones her funeral power scene where she's puts drogo and miri mazdor to uh to rest and it wasn't planned as a coronation either but by the end of it everyone's kneeling to her as the mother of dragons and as khaleesi and it's kicked off as well by the death like he was it was drogo's death and viserys death that kicks it all off but it turns into something else and it's very uh, draconic, of course, as well. And it's uh, hmm. imagining. So that's pretty cool. Uh, very uh, Even with a, the first person to kneel being like her one, quote unquote, Kingsguard, Jorah, who she named as her first official Kingsguard. Actually, technically, she named him that. No, she did name before she walked into the fire. Yeah, it was before she walked into the fire. She names them all Blood Riders. And they're like, actually, we can't follow a woman. And she goes into the fire, comes out, and they're like, okay, we can follow a woman. At least, at least this one. Damn. <laughs> you know, and they all kneel and bow. Yeah, so very similar vibes there. Cool. Well done by the show. Um, calling that back. I want to ask a, a, a question. Yeah. Um, the Kingsguard that are there with Rhaenyra. You know, by the way. We should be saying Queen's Guard, y'all. Ah, uh, good point. Queen's Guard, you're totally right. Yeah. But anyways, yes, go on. Um, one of them is Laurent Stefan Laurent. Laurent Marbrand is the one that looks like a shaved younger Harold Westerling, the bald one. Yeah, and yeah. And the one with hair is Stefan Darklin. Okay, okay. I had them backwards Laurent, at first. Marbrand, I thought Darklin. it was the other way around, but okay. Darklin is the one with hair. <laughs> is there a story or a history to them? Is it worth a? Uh... Speaking to their houses or how they got to be kings, queens guards. No, they were whatever. born at that age. They were sprung <laughs> fully formed. <laughs> they, they, they plucked them right off the queens guard tree that morning. You know, I actually put a few <laughs> notes in here about that and skipped them. So I'm glad you asked that question. So, yes, the Darklands, Stefan Darklin, the Darklands are super, super loyal to the Targaryens. They have a long history of loyalty to the Targaryens. In fact, it doesn't, this isn't established at this point, but by the time of A Song of Ice and Fire, there have been seven Darkland Kingsguard, which is number one, like easily the most 
Kingsguard from one family. I'm not sure what number he <laughs> would represent, like the third or fourth. But yeah, so they've had a long history of loyalty. So them, so he, they probably didn't need to worry about him as much. Although both sides are Targaryens, so it's still like, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe arguably this side is more Targaryen because both the king and the king consort and queen are Targaryen. But anyway. But now this now the greens are too. But the though. kids are not so. Yeah, I, but and the greens are that way too now. With Helena and Aegon or Targaryen. So anyway, no. But yeah. any, so the Marbrands though, the other one, Laurent Marbrand, they're a vassal of Casterly Rock. That's close to the Lannisters. So that I, one, I think he looks very like very much like a Westerlander to me, like a mm. Westerman. They like that. They, they, they like that's just been like a consistent thing that a lot of the Westerlanders had like bald heads and like a trimmed beard. beards. Yeah, yeah they beards. have like, like the Northerns have wild very, beards and the Westerlanders have more yeah. like trimmed. That's a good point. I, I wonder know. if that's like an you're intentional just, thing they've been doing behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I, I think, think so. I think you're right about that. So that one, that one, maybe there would be a worry that since the Lannisters are likely to side with the greens that maybe this guy's loyalty is perhaps in question but anyway but how does he even know that right yeah, like, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the cargill eric and Arik are cargills that's a crownlands house so they're the darklands are also a crownlands house which means they're very close to king's landing so that's it's like well they're gonna they're gonna be loyal but to which side because it's targaryen so in this case well one of each all right yeah, yeah i would not have trusted like I, I get why they do trust eric right there in that moment but for me i would be very paranoid in this situation about this person being here to kill me <laughs> like I know that like you're like okay let's trust their honor and they're not this despicable but legit I would be very paranoid as Rhaenyra. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine if he had coated that crown with some sort of poison. Like, Come on, give this to Rhaenyra. <laughs> I got them both. <laughs> like, why are you wearing gloves, Kingsguard? Like, oh, my hands are cold. Man, you know. So yeah, let's go to the painted table. Very very awesome setup here. Amazing music, the candles. Aegon planned his conquest in front of this table. Danny and Stannis. It has moved rooms, though. In in Game of Thrones original show, it was in the room where you could see out the window. But it's a table, so I, I'm you know it's it's big, but doesn't mean it can't be. Moved. Yeah, they talked in the behind the scenes about how they moved the painted table because they just really needed more room to film. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, yeah, like, let's put it there. in a much larger space, yeah, uh, cool. which makes sense. I like it. Uh, so she comes in, it's very, you know, proper, uh, observing some ceremony here in protocol, though it hasn't all been established because she's a new queen. Like you could see the little slight awkwardness when the guards start to follow her and she's like, hold up there. <laughs> We're like, we got to work all these little bits of protocol out here. <laughs> hasn't quite been done yet. It, it kind of, it looks like Reyna is the cupbearer, the way she hands her a cup of wine there. Yeah, that is the impression that I got as well, which is interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's a fitting role. It is yeah, a typical... that's, that's the role that Rhaenyra had for her father, was cupbearer for a while, so yeah, I uh, yeah, appreciate it's, it's that. often given to a, that a younger That said, though, yeah. she handed her that cup, but then was welcomed to, to the table. She's yeah. like, okay, now come on. She walked up mm-hmm. to the table along with her sister, and Rhaenys took note of that also. Yeah. And Good I think- catch. That was something we talked about in the episode about Viserys, like things he should have, could have done, or other people should have, could have done leading up to this. And that was when I thought, I forgot to mention, but he should have had her not just in the room serving wine. She should have really been part of the council. Like she'd even demonstrated some good knowledge, you know, with the, when the Stepstones first came up and she was quieted down, they should have like had her speak up more often on purpose. Even if they ignore what she says, at least 
make let her feel accepted. Mm-hmm. Maybe she will have a good idea on and on. And I think that's what we're supposed to see here is that these girls are accepted. They are part of this council. They're not just in the room. They're not just serving they wine. They speaking up, up yet, but they're the table and they took part. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and have been assigned a task. I, I still think that was a mess up, but you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, I, I. It might be there. Like, yeah, just I, I to make sure like, they don't you know, lose the the sea snakes. Yeah, you know, you know I, I get they're like safe. maybe I don't, don't want to risk Bela. If you lose Bela, you lose the dragon rider at home. Yeah. Yeah, like you I, might lose Rainies and Corliss also. Then yeah. exactly. never mind. Yeah, yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. There maybe there is a certain there's element, where, element like, to it. Yeah, where there's not. like we need to keep Bela safe for that reason. I don't know. Anyways, I, uh, that, I just, that does make sense to me. I don't know that that's the reason, but it makes yeah, a lot I, of sense. yeah. I don't know that that's the reason either. But I, I just I just can't look at the four of them arrayed on a table and not be like, this isn't like a much more adult looking girl than this child that is Luke <laughs> Valarian. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like right, Bela just looks like an a, a, a like a, a grown woman uh, <laughs> you know it could be it could be even a grown woman it could be that uh baratheon or most any lord would still accept a boy before oh i agree with that which is why i think that the better well, argument she was is to do both to do two right i think i think that is where i landed that i think and ultimately i think rainies and luke together would have been the most optimal solution here yeah that would have been even better yeah because Rainey's was going to go off and patrol the Gulf yeah, so to just, just do like that have, right after one yeah, quick diplomatic exactly. mission, and then yeah. Yeah. it just makes sense to hey, have someone. Some other yeah. dragon Let's rider can go down patrol. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've covered that part already. Let's get back yeah. to this. So Rainier isn't quite sure what to do just yet. She's like moving around, like she's a little uncertain how to begin the session. A little unclear how to lead a war council. Not like she's not afraid. She's just not really sure what she should be doing. And you can tell this because of her, the physical manifestation, both Joe magician and Kim Renfro, our guest on Saturday said the same thing. They noticed the way she was gripping her fingers and kind of like squeezing them, which is this, they, they, they say they both do that when they're not sure what to do or when they're a little out of sorts. So it was, it was, it was a good little clue there. And obviously in the, in the book, out. there's a whole thing with uh Rainier of, she like has a nervous tick of playing with her rings, playing with her hands uh, and all that. Okay. Mm. That's yeah. very similar. Yeah. I, I want to point out that maybe she doesn't know exactly how to handle the situation, but it's not like all the other people do, and nope. she doesn't. No one knows exactly how to handle. They the act situation. like they do, and they right. just and yeah, they're showing more bravado. They don't actually know. Right, they in their minds, maybe even some of them do. Attack. Yeah. That's what we do, right? We Bodies in yeah. graves. Like she doesn't know how to handle the situation because she's actually trying to stop war and think about the people and stop death, and so uh, and is in the end responsible more so than these other people too. So yeah. uh, I think that she has similar uncertainties as the others, but they're just more willing to. One of the guys even says, "Easy for someone sending orders out from the castle to you know to make yeah. that decree," mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, I, 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 anyway, I just want to, I just, I feel the need to give her credit for whatever uncertainty she has, that it's not like everyone else has certainty and she doesn't. And the ones that do have certainty, I think are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so. so Damon begins the military discussions partly to, because Rainier's not saying anything, though you get the impression that he would have done this anyway. There's a lot of lines straight from Fire and Blood. It was notable that there's just almost mm. several moments that are just direct dialogue from the book, which is pretty neat. We'll we'll go through the allies and all the military p- potential some other time. It's too big of a topic to squeeze into here right now, and we have so many things to cover. It's a big rabbit hole. Uh, we've kind of already talked about how they misplayed things at Storm's End. We'll maybe have a little more to say about that later. But it's a good example of 
overall what they've done is they take a lot for granted they take a lot of allies for granted the storm's end being the biggest of those which could happen elsewhere they also kind of disagree on the tullys i don't mean just here like they actually disagree on grover tully's disposition and damon's like yeah i'm gonna go there and talk to him in person but what i meant is the greens were counting on the tullys as allies already so there's already some like well who's who's right here you know who's actually got the the inside track i mean Otto seemed to think that they would have this that they could get the starks which seemed like a stretch to me too when you like, he seems like he barely knows the starks and he thinks they would forget an oath like he seemed way too confident that, that they could get the starks to me i think he was just saying that i think he was just blowing okay. smoke because when they had their council session he did not mention the starks he only mentioned the starks in on the causeway when it was like let's contact our allies he only mentioned tully and lannister at first okay. when they were in the council session he also might not necessarily think he'll get Stark Bannerman to come ride into war with him, yeah. but he m- might get Stark Bannerman to not ride against him into war. Yeah. He might he might get them to be sense? neutral. Yeah. And, yeah. And I also thought that uh, that was one, I don't know, good call on Damon's part is that he seemed to understand like whether or not we think we're going to get the Tollies, we have to get the Tollies. That was sort of a conclusion of that yeah. meeting. He's like, that's why I'm going. We, they're the key. The river, he's, yeah, he makes the point that the Riverlands is ultimately crucial because it allows them to surround King's Landing. Only part, only a very small region of the Crownlands is not bordered by the Riverlands. It's part of its southern border, borders on Storm's End. But that's where most of the water is, and they've got that pretty well covered by Blackwater Bay and, and cutting off the gullet and all that. And the West too, like troops from the West have a lot exactly time Every... coming to join the fray if they go through the Riverlands yes. as an enemy. But if the Riverlands are on their side too, oh, it's not just that side; it's that both those sides get over very You're easily. You're very right about that. And the Riverlands, especially the the way into the Riverlands from the West, involves river crossings and mountain passes. So there's it's it, they they can plop troops in a, a couple of very specific areas to block their way. It's not like they can, it's not like they have this wide plain they can cross and there's lots of ways to get into the Riverlands. Not from that direction. There are lots of ways to get in the Riverlands from, say, the south, but not the north, not the west. So, yeah, so you're totally right. Strategically, that's really important. So they argue about dragons. Um, Damon and Lord Celtigar are like, let's just use the dragons right away. Let's just do it. This is, this is our advantage. We have the bigger dragons, or not bigger, we have the, the quantity of dragons. They don't. Let's just get right to it. And interesting, there's a. Did, did you notice, Sean, when they when he's mentions the Rydal show, he's like, we also have Vermithor, Sea Smoke, and Silverwing, and the camera cuts to Reyna, who is still dragonless at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I think they're setting up that Damon is going to try to get Reyna to tame a dragon. Is my expectation from that because how can he like I, that? That's my well. I guess if we, as we talk more about the Damon Vermithor scene, that's kind of my thoughts. Like maybe he's trying to like lay the groundwork and like set Vermithor up to be tamed by Reyna, if you know what I mean. Like maybe he's like, oh, I'm gonna I'll I'll sing lullabies to Vermithor and get Vermithor used to people and me, and then it'll. I'll be like, Reyna, I've set this dragon up for you. And Reyna's going to be like, I'm too scared. Or maybe she will go for it or something. You know, like, I, I, my, one of my big hopes for season two is to get scenes with Damon dealing with his dragonless daughter, which they seem to have very much set up him caring about this. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I, I, I wondered a lot, like, where do you think they physically were there? It seemed like that was like a smooth, flat slab of stone that he was standing on. It didn't seem like some cave in the wild. Oh, there were columns. It seemed like, 
It was carved. Yeah, yeah like so, that was some I think old. It was a building. dragonstone type so, of dragon pit. Yeah, they had carved like out. But, but this was type. a wild dragon. No, that's not a wild it's dragon. Not wild. Wild. No, it's not a wild dragon. Not wild. This that not was Jaharis. Used old. to have a rider that yeah, Jaharis, the old okay. king's dragon, um, those, those hasn't are... had a dragon rider since Jaharis died, which obviously I that guess, was twenty actually, plus years ago. So. Wild dragon and riderless dragon are not the same thing. Wild dragon is never ridden that lives in the wild. Riderless means currently had a rider, doesn't anymore. Those generally still live like they're domesticated. Basically, they still live like I, I, they still get fed by humans. I guess I, I want to also clarify. You guys seem pretty sure of which dragon this is. Is it's it Vermithor? Yeah, we, we just know it's Vermithor. You know they said it in the, the Dragon Index. Said it was yeah. Vermithor. Okay. or whatever. Like whatever. Okay. It, it was clear from that. Yeah, but, yeah. I th- I thought it maybe was a wild dragon, and it, he was taming it. Maybe he'd been leaving food for it or luring it there or something. And I thought it's possible whether that's the case of this dragon or not. Damn, I might just unleash dragons randomly. He might just direct them toward a city, and he doesn't care if they follow directions it's or not, they just burn stuff it, up and cause chaos. As far as we know, that's not possible. Okay. I mean, they could decide it is, but there is no... That's never been done. Like, what? we saw that with Danny's dragons followed her, but that was... Well, I like guess... The books don't... That's not in the books either, so my, it's well, possible. My thought here is that, like... Whatever we know about what's possible or whatever for dragons, Damon doesn't know. So him, whether we think that it's possible for one person to tame two dragons, does Damon know that for sure? No. Why would he? Know? Maybe. Well, not he would him. because he's read the books. He's like read he has the books, access. But to all my the... point is that that's still him saying like, "Oh, well, the books say no one's like no one has two dragons." That do- like that still doesn't mean that you can't say, "Oh, well, I'm just built different. I could do that." Yeah. Like I, I was going to say almost the opposite. I was like, "Whatever Damon knows, we don't know. Like he yeah. might have learned stuff about dragons that we don't yeah, know. You're right. or the books don't know." Yeah, he so. he could have read something that said that, "Oh, you can't tame two dragons, but you can have a close bond with multiple." Like he we could have read other stuff. He's clearly is doing some research here. Yeah. But I t- I tend to think that he's more trying to lay the groundwork for future dragon taming is my impression because maybe you could say that he's like it's part of his egg hatching like his egg collection but i don't think that that's what he's doing here so i think he's just going to be dealing with dragon taming next season and he's like well the best way to have more dragon riders is if these dragons are a little bit more used to people like before yeah, I agree we with send that. them i agree with that yeah He's but let's he's let's, gonna let's, this song let's to bring this back. Now. We're way off of what we were trying to talk okay, about. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got we jumped way ahead. So we're we're talking about being using them in war and Rainier bringing up. Look, we have these dragons. Yeah, we have more of them, but they have no experience with fighting. Like none of these. Like they're just like unguided missiles. Like this isn't that helpful. Like at this point, we have to be more prepared. We have to have more of a strategy. And she she brings up the histories. This is a little bit of a change from the books. It's that's usually, it's Damon saying some of the stuff in the book. Small change, but uh, he she, he says or she says when dragons go to war, everything is destroyed. It's just dev, mass devastation. That's that's what happens. So we're trying to avoid that. She's like, I'm going to listen to what the histories say and not just rush off to war with dragons because apparently that's going to result in ash and bone. It's funny that they use the term ash and bone. Well, that phrase comes up several times in A Song of Ice and Fire proper. Not from Ares. A lot of people think that's what Ares says. He says charred meat and cooked bones. Similar, <laughs> but not quite the same thing. But what's fun, where it does come up, in this scene, it's said by... Uh, no, the phrase ash and bone is said by Rhaenyra. In the book, it's said by Celtigar, who's the one of the ones who says to use the... Or, sorry, it's not used by... Sorry, it's not said by Celtigar. It's said by Axel Florent telling Stannis they should go loot 
Claw Isle, which is how Celtigar's Island turned it into Ash and Bone. So in this episode, Celtigar says Ash and Bone, and then Axel Florent proposes to turn his castle into Ash and Bone 200 years later. <laughs> so, which Stannis says no to that plan, and Davos as well. And that's when Davos gets named Hand. Anyway, now I'm getting off topic. <laughs> so <clears throat> Damon gets annoyed with Rhaenyra's cost. He's had enough of this, like, Look, we're in a war. <laughs> like, you are acting like we're not in a war, but we are. That's one of the things they seem to differ on. He's like, no, we're in a war. She's like, no, we're not actually in it yet. We're on the cusp. But he, he seems to think it's already there. To be fair, the reason for that, in part, I think, is that he's, he believes blood's already been spilled. They've already killed his brother in, in his mind. Not true, but that's what he thinks. So he thinks, he accuses her of doesn't say she's being a coward, but kind of implies it by comparing her to her father, saying, you know, you're being too cautious or whatever. But we've seen caution not being cowardice. We talked about that with Alicent, saying a reluctance to murder is not weakness. Similar vibe here, right? And... That same paralyzed pointing out between Rhaenyra and yep, Alicent. Yep. <laughs> and she... And again... She's right that there, you know, even though there's a lot of value in getting the initiative and, and responding quickly, they just don't know what they're dealing with yet. They don't know who's on their side. They don't know who. Yeah, at one point is, she says, like, I want to know who my allies are before I send them off to war. Yeah, like, they haven't even sent any ravens or, you know, the. And no one argued that. Sea Snake's like, yeah, he sees they kind of gives the big nod, like, yeah, hmm, that's, you're right. I, you know, I also, uh, about Damon, I feel like if somehow he knew uh that Visaris hadn't been killed in some you know shady way i don't think he would change i think it would just be like vaymond when vaymond <laughs> you know, he was like he was, my bloodline my bloodline like well have these kids married then the bloodline's fine like well but still you know I, I think damon is the same way he's just looking for this excuse to go to action to take it out on auto to whatever it is yeah. i don't think he actually he wants to believe that Viserys was killed because it makes him feel more justified, but he's just going to do the same thing anyway. Yeah. Now, he also mentioned Harrenhal, Damon does, because Harrenhal is huge and it's central and it would allow a place for their loyal forces to gather. And it's even closer to King's Landing than, say, River Run, which is not nearly as large. So he describes that pincer movement they would have. But again, he's getting ahead of himself. He's like, yeah, we'll have them all dead in the, by the end of the turn of the moon. Like, mm, yeah, no, no, you won't. <laughs> okay, let's take a little short break here and then get back to it. We'll have some more questions. We'll talk about the meeting on the causeway. We'll talk about the prophecy. We'll talk about the sea snakes grand return into the council session and lots of other good stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A word from our sponsor, the official Lord of the Rings Rings of Power podcast is out. It's only been out for a couple of weeks. I listened to the first episode right before this episode that we're recording right now. It was pretty awesome. Host Felicia Day, for one thing, that's great right off the bat. And Felicia Day knows her Tolkien. You may not have known that, but she knows her Tolkien lore quite well, which enables her to speak with the recurring large great list of guests on uh on a very deep level detail level and ask pointed questions and she knows what she's talking about every single episode has guests the first one the one i said i just listened to had morpheth clark that's galadriel she is welsh and tokian built elvish off of welsh so something that's kind of cool about tokian that is not as prominent or at all in a lot of other fandoms is that you have cases where like a grandfather read it to this father who read it to the son. You have like multi-generation fandoms within Lord of the Rings. You don't have that with Game of Thrones because <laughs> it's only been around for 25 Yeah, Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. It's close. Although yeah. I don't know if people should be reading this to their kids. Maybe to their young adult <laughs> children, but not to their like young children. Maybe. That's up to you. That's up to you. Every single episode. Every Duncan Egg, maybe. Yeah, Duncan Egg is. Yeah, Duncan Egg's <laughs> not so bad. Every single episode of the official Lord of the Rings podcast has J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay as well. A brief segment. Those are two showrunners where they talk to Felicia about specific things from each episode. Each episode is corresponds to one of the actual TV show episodes. So they've got a one-to-one relationship there. So watch the Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official Lord of the Rings Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music and download the Amazon Music app now. You can listen I to it think- there. That the better option would be to not watch Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, but still listen to the podcast. <laughs> I think that's the best way to do things. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I watched the show, and I plan on listening to this podcast now that it now that it's it's out. It's only been out, like I said, for like two weeks. And I, since I enjoyed the first one, I'm going to listen to the other seven, and perhaps I will report back on that. <laughs> I do know people who listen to podcasts about things that they've never watched. That is interesting. That's <laughs> yeah, quite... I have a couple friends that listen to us without watching the show. Huh. <laughs> How about yeah. that? Okay. Lee says, do we think the prophecy is also carved on ice or some other relic? Ice meaning the Valyrian steel blade of House Stark. Hmm, I wonder about that. I, I wouldn't think so because of the way it's presented to us. It was Aegon's notion to carve it on his blade to pass it down to his people. I'm not sure that the Starks were ever involved in that. If they have their own version of the prophecy, if they interpreted it through some other magical means, they came upon it independently of the Targaryens, something we've talked about elsewhere. They may have written it down, carved it somewhere. I don't think it would be the exact same way, though. Also putting it on a blade, that seems like if they aren't working together, I doubt they use the same mechanism. You know what I mean? But the idea that it's written somewhere, yeah, I can see that. Um, or some different Starks have dreamt over it over the years, and maybe it, it didn't take hold because they didn't believe in it the same way the Targaryens did. But Or maybe it did. But I, I suspect that will be explored in Season 2. We do know Jace is heading north, so 
stuff will happen. It'll probably be one of the first. I guarantee they're going to give us like trailer shots of Dragon going to Winterfell. <laughs> That's going to get people hyped. Yeah. Like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, this episode was a. I, I don't necessarily mean this negatively, but it was almost like a cliffhanger. There were a lot of things in the works just yes. about to happen that we're going to have to wait for now. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. It was. It's a. It's an yeah. odd. I wonder if they considered leaving it just with Vagar flying away and not showing Rainier's reaction because even that was like there's no dialogue it's just like 20 seconds of her reacting and her face just like whoa that is acting right there she really is just portraying a lot of emotions there so let's talk about the causeway scene another throwback episode two had the standoff on the causeway here we have another one with almost the exact same group of people Otto, Orwile, and Sir Arik show up with guards. Last time it was Otto Melos, the previous Grand Maester, so it's the Grand Maester in both cases, and different King's Guard and Hightower Guards. Offer is similar to the book, similar to what we heard before. Keep your castles and inheritance, minus the throne, of course. Your kids get to be squires and pages, i.e. hostages. <laughs> That's what that means. And Damon says he'd rather feed his sons to the dragons, which if it was somebody else, I would think it's just a euphemism. But with Damon, he might actually mean it. <laughs> he might actually prefer to feed his sons to the dragons. And he was hoping yeah, uh, that they would get to feed Otto to the dragon, right? There. That's what he was really hoping for the outcome there to be. But yeah. Well, one little quick thought. I wonder bringing the maester along is almost like uh, in modern times, like a reporter. Just uh, a neutral observer. They're not going to attack you. You don't attack them. Because both times, I thought it was weird to bring them on a what seems like a dangerous mission. But maybe you just need a witness for history's sake or something. I don't know. Yeah, it does kind of make sense. They are the they are more they are more likely to be the ones who write things down for pro, for posterity. I almost says for prosperity. Yeah, not too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so Otto is very controlled. He doesn't, to his credit, you know, he doesn't get into the war of words. Rainier even loses it a little bit with him, which is unusual because she's mostly been very stoic. She calls him an effing traitor and throws his handpin away in a rare break from decorum there. And Damon is just pacing as they're coming up the walkway. He's just pacing back and forth. The, the anger on display, the just pent-up aggression. is He does it so well. It's part of the reason I had to pick him as best actor for the episode. <laughs> you got to imagine he would have a lot of adrenaline flowing, oh, too. Yeah. Even if he was being more wise or fair about things, he would still be kind of pumped up for this moment. Yeah, from his perspective, he's like, I got to talk to my brother's murderers? I got to talk to them? I can't... I'm like, I'm going to just kill them. <laughs> and... The page auto pretty smooth actually. The page handing her the page and that was that was clever. We did not see that coming. I was like, nice. <laughs> well, good writing there. I think the page of Nymeria's book and Rainier does that does seem to give her. Pa I could have seen Rainier getting more upset at that, like it was emotional manipulation. But she actually did kind of pull back a little at seeing that. You know, I, I had a thought on this, like even if it was emotion, emotion, bleh, emotional manipulation, or I even saw one take on Twitter that was that uh, that maybe it was a warning, like Nymeria fled, mm. right? This is like maybe Alice is saying, yeah, hey, that's you what need I to took run. from it, for sure. Yeah. You should run. But even yeah, if that is the case, it was an overture of like, remember our love and friendship, but it was also like, if you know what's best for you, you'll run. Remember, you said you wish you could do this. You wish, like you don't. You, like yeah, exactly. I missed that. You're totally right. Great catch, y'all. Yeah, 
so if that was it, it's that could still be a, like a warning or a threat. You could it could go both ways. But whether it was it or not, whether it was a warning or not, whether it was a manipulative emotional thing, no matter what, she kept that page for you know I don't know twenty years or something. Years, yeah. It had to mean something. It's no matter what, it's still indicative of the the value of the relationship she had with her. Yeah, so, it was yeah. a good way to portray that physically with just yeah. one like yeah like it was object yes it was emotionally manipulative but that's the card that allison had to play and she was manipulating a real emotion that they both shared between them so like i don't know i saw people who weren't who were like i can't believe allison said did that i'm like oh it seems like a good play to me doesn't yeah, seem yeah. like she emotionally yeah. manipulated her into saving her life. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. if you're going to emotionally manipulate someone, this is the time to do it. Like, way or the reason or whatever. Yeah, it's like you lied to your kid about Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you emotionally manipulated people. <laughs> so there's, yeah. So this is this is a great scene, I thought, and and we have Cyrax landing behind, and and the intimidation is there, and I like how Rainier just walks right through them, which she did the first time, but the first time they were her allies, she just very bravely walks through the part. Of course, they're not likely to do anything with the dragon and Damon right there, but still, it, it was still kind of a boss move. I, a couple things I want to point out. One is I think they were fair, reasonable maybe realistic terms that were certainly come from Allison and not Otto. And, um, and that was pointed out. He's like, the Dowager Queen offers this. It's like, if I were, if it was yeah. me, I would have sent assassins. But <laughs> uh, one other thing, I feel like Damon was very hypocritical there. He's like, I'll never listen to your drunk king. Yeah. Like, remember when Damon was drunk on the floor in front of Isaris? Like, <laughs> it's like, you're right. He is a drunk usurper, but yeah. <laughs> So they go back inside, they start to talk, Damon gets furious that she's even considering the offer, and she's like, it's not like him, it's like his offer I'm considering, it's the situation as a whole. It's like, well, what's my true duty as queen here? She's really, she is bringing up her father, like this is what her father wanted, and she's trying to rule, or at least keep his attitudes in play, which to be fair, Allison kind of did too, kind of. At least she was sort of moved by that. She was trying to, she was trying to insert that in their grand plan while these other things that were definitely against Viserys' wishes were also included. But it's like if I said, you shouldn't murder people. And someone said, that's your dad speaking. Well, yeah, but that's also <laughs> everyone. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's something my dad believes, but it's also just true, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other lords are a bit perplexed. You're like, you're not, are you considering the offer here? Some of them are probably like, I hope she does. I don't want to go to war, you know, but, but, but Damon, of course, is like, war, war, now, war, now, war. And she's like, all right, clear the room. And he, and she's like, don't, you're, are you forgetting something here, man? Are you forgetting about ice and fire, song of ice and fire prophecy? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? We were, we, uh, the three of us talked about this all season long, whether this moment, we knew this moment was coming in some way or another. We didn't know how it would play out. We were pretty sure he didn't know. We weren't 100% sure. But we were pretty sure that he, he didn't know. And so he, and we were also pretty sure he would get mad. But we didn't predict this particular version of anger. And we also didn't know that it would come while he's already grieving and etc. So she's completely confused. He's completely confused. And when she starts to explain and mentions, my father told me when I became heir, all his 
bitterness and rage and the existing frustration comes and he chokes her. It was like very shocking. She's lucky there wasn't a rock around for him to grab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Good point. But it's odd too because, like, it, to, it, to me, I'm thinking of that moment in episode one, another callback where he says, 10 years and not once have you asked me to be your hand. Like, this is in his yeah. mind. Like, you never told me and about 10 this. 10 years and you never once told me this prophecy. He did not think of me as a legitimate heir. Yeah. Like, so he, that's what he's realizing. Very embarrassing to him. You know, I, and I know you guys gave me a lot of reasons why maybe he shouldn't make it complete public information, but I, I still strongly believe he should have told a few key people for a bunch of different reasons. And this is one it's still hard to exactly pin down, but you got to wonder if Damon would behave differently if he knew it. Rhaenyra expects him to behave differently because he knows about this, but he doesn't know about this. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe she's got him pegged wrong, but she married him. She's known him her whole life pretty much. And she thought that this should affect his behavior. And it doesn't seem to be because he didn't know. So I can't go back to thinking it's a mistake Viserys made of not telling at least a couple other people, Damon included. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now he may now maybe to be fair to Viserys, maybe the reason he didn't tell Damon is he knew he would have a reaction like this. Maybe not like quite like this, like choking him, but I mean like totally downplaying it and calling it stupid and, and idiotic or pointless or whatever. Like God you know, dragons made us kings, not dreams or whatever. That that line was from like the first trailer. <laughs> Finally we get it right at the end. So Interesting, too, though, is her reaction. Obviously, we can't excuse this sort of thing. We can't excuse it, especially because it probably, in real life, got some people to think about real domestic violence because it's kind of familiar, like too sim- too realistic in that sense. And so re- with respect to anyone out there that, that felt a little, um, that took that scene and made you feel uncomfortable. Rhaenyra, however, she just like hardly seemed bothered by it at all. She was more like surprised she was still focused on the fact that he didn't know about it and what that meant to him. She was almost like sad for him. Even as he's choking her, she wasn't even like struggling. She was like, talk about stoic. She wasn't yeah. intimidated. She wasn't afraid. She barely struggled. It's you almost know, like she knew he wasn't going to do anything other than yeah. like, he knew she was just like acting out or something. You know, like. it's funny. Cause a lot of people were um, taken aback or upset or bothered by this moment, this, this character beat, whatever. But it made me think of, the scene at the wedding with uh, Damon and Rhaenyra that people thought was so romantic oh, yeah. when he grabs her by her neck in the wedding scene. And like, it's just mirrors that very well to me and like how I, I don't, I don't think that it was out of character or unusual oh, for him. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's a character beat that makes it so that I can't appreciate that character anymore, but I also wasn't oo-wooing, fangirling over Damon to the point where I was like, oh, he's an amazing father and husband and all these things. I was, I was, he's an amazing character, an interesting character, so it really didn't ruin it for me. Yeah, I thought this was a character for him too. Like, this is a violent, aggressive man. Yeah. If he's willing to kill one wife, why wouldn't he be willing to choke or otherwise abuse another wife? Yeah. And, and it's also worth noting in the real world, it's not like when a man abuses a woman, they always immediately leave. Like they rarely immediately leave, right? Yeah. It's it's you're kind of s- stuck with them in certain ways. It's a crappy all around, but I don't think that it was really unrealistic or unfair. No, and I mean, yeah, it t- doesn't make it not tough. Doesn't make you enjoy it, and yeah. maybe some people still want to stand Damon or whatever. You can criticize but, uh, the writing choice because it might be disturbing, be too to real. But I don't yeah. think you can criticize it as a out of character like that's that's wild to me like no this is a violent aggressive man who apologizes to no one and thinks everything he does is is right or thinks it's justified because he's doing it so 
who was also in a particularly emotionally torn up moment. Yes, right? thinks his brother was just murdered. Thinks their their throne is being stolen from them. Just lost his daughter. Like Rainier is torn up about that too. But so is he. Like he did grieve over Visenya. You know, even though he wasn't very supportive about it, he's definitely sad about it. So yeah, yeah think, he, he's not in like a normal state of mind. Yeah, I, I think, and I think it can't go like. Uh, unstated that Damon in this scenario is triggered by his experience with Lena. He saw mm-hmm. his wife go through childbirth and lose the baby and kill herself. Like, That's how fair. can he? How can Good he point. go through his 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 wife giving birth and not think about this experience that he had with Lena? Yeah. So, like, I think that he shuts down emotionally there, but I think it's really not surprising or unusual and it makes sense to me that he would shut down emotionally there and not be able to be there for her in childbirth when he just thinks about this one of the worst mm. things that has ever you know been part of his life that's a good point and his grief we have seen this and i've even said it already this episode that his grief like a lot of men even in the modern world not all men but and, and women sometimes too but it's more common with men manifest grief as anger or violence like it comes out that way like it's we're we're conditioned that way we're taught that it's sadness is weakness grief is weakness so you but you're still gonna have that emotion so you channel it into something that's properly masculine which is violence or anger you're supposed to fight not cry yes right right? so that's damon was absolutely raised in that environment again we're not excusing it but this is the outcome of that sort of attitude and breeding in society (laughs) Take it to the extreme. Amon is like, oh, you don't want to cut out your eye? You coward. <laughs> yeah, I know. You coward. You don't want to cut out your eye? <laughs> it's like, all right, Luke should have said, I've already cut out an eye. One's enough. <laughs> I cut yours yeah, out. Your <laughs> I wasn't afraid of that one. <laughs> so some people thought maybe Damon was even crying in this scene. Like, as he's turning away, when he's releasing her, when he finally, like, takes his hand off like he turns away there may have been tears in his eyes too so that's and again mind with the whole mind meld of the dragons like there's subconscious back and forth maybe between the dragon bond and all that maybe maybe that's going both ways you know maybe the maybe he's pushing his frustrations towards the dragon and is bouncing back to him maybe cyrax is affecting rainier i don't know but uh it's a topic that bears further exploration definitely takes us into the theme of humans getting closer to dragons like spirit wise like the metaphor of human and dragon and yeah which is damon he's a little of both he's a little more dragon than a lot like how brandon stark was more wolf than ned was damon is as dragony as they come i guess amon is up there too i suppose let's talk about the return of the sea snake this is a real shot in the arm for Rhaenyra's side. First, they have the reunion scene, which we kind of discussed already. But I did want to add one thing, that a near-death experience is something that can change people a lot. Like, I can't claim to have had one, but I've talked to people who have, and it's just oh, one you of the biggest... you can claim it. Uh, I could claim it. It wouldn't be true. <laughs> I guess I could claim, like, there was. I've been in a car. Almost I was killed in a car accident. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I stood close to a ledge once. I could have fallen. <laughs> oh, actually, I will say that Aziz, when we were at places like the Grand Canyon or the Cliffs of Mar or any, any dangerous cliffside, Aziz is so... He's come close to dying in my in my approximation. <laughs> He's the way he climbs the side of these cliffs that could just fall out from under him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aziz could be a dragon rider, I think. I, I could not, but I think he could. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think that's part of what was going on with the sea snake is that's part of why he had this, like, 
rethinking ambition thing, even though it's too late. So it's a, the perfect nautical metaphor fits here, which is putting the wind in our sails. He comes in. He's like, he looks a bit weak on his cane at first, but it's a powerful moment despite his, his physical, um, you know, he's not fully recovered, we'll say. And a little, little like Viserys coming into the throne room there. It's not as drawn out or as cinematic, but still he's coming in to, to take over a bit, to deliver some news and, and, and make things right. She's like, so you need allies? How about me? My wife and my and her dragon, too. Don't forget about her. That's a big deal. The biggest navy in this part of the world. You want that? I got it. Also, oh, and the Stepstones? Remember that? I got that, too. I took it all. It's mine. So it's yours. <laughs> that is boom. Like, oh, oh, by the way, I'm going to blockade the capital, too. <laughs> like, so this is massive. This is like, wow. It reminded me a little of that time when Daemon came into the throne room, when he's coming back from the Stepstones, oh, yeah. wearing a crown. And he handed the crown over. If it's Corlys came in, and is it would be hard to tell without context that Rhaenyra was the queen, and it, you know he was subordinate. You know, it seemed like he was suddenly in charge of the room, but he turned it over to her. That's so. a great point. I, I think that's actually yeah. a very strong parallel. Yeah, Damon giving it to Viserys, and here is Corlys giving it to Rhaenyra. That's that's well done. He could have been like, anything else I can do for y'all. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was so funny too. Because Royce was like, "Where's Damon?" And it was convenient for them that the person who killed his brother is not in the room right then. Uh, <laughs> but I am curious about the interactions between Corlys and Damon. If both, if Corlys both knows that Damon killed his brother and thinks that Damon <laughs> killed Lainor, Rainey's did did tell her, yeah, or tell him right. Yeah, Rainey's he knows that Damon, Damon, Damon killed for it, killed though. Raymond. Yeah, yeah, he knows that, or she knows. He knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corley's knows that. Well, I technically. I, we can assume that she said Damon killed your brother, but technically what she said was that he was killed. No, he, she said Vayman, oh, Damon he, took, he his, took head his head. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah it was clarified, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. So, so that's got to give a lot of morale to, not obviously to Rhaenyra, but to the other gathered lords who were kind of like, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're, we're starting off behind the eight ball here. We're losing. But hearing that, it's like all, that's just a massive windfall of, of, the the biggest single ally they could have gained right there. Like the Lannisters aren't even that valuable at this point, especially given the proximity to the sea snake. They, they live right next door to each other. It's it's rather nice. The Driftmark and Dragonstone being so close. That's handy. All right, let's talk about uh, Vermithor. This is where Damon was. So it's Damon, while Damon's off screen, they're talking about him. It's kind of like uh, the, what is it? Poochie from The Simpsons. Whenever someone Poochie's not on screen, they got to be asking, "Where's Poochie? Where's Damon?" <laughs> so Damon goes. Apparently, this is where he goes when he's his temper is flared. He's like, "I got to go be with the dragons. They're peaceful. <laughs> those are those are creatures <laughs> of great serenity." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's a picture on screen. There's that's that's the very image of serenity and peace right there. Mm-hmm. That looks like the Rancor monster from Star Wars. Yeah, I told you there'd be more Star Wars references. <laughs> so maybe yeah maybe like a chance maybe he's been bonding or just getting along with the dra- i love this just the way they're just he just kind of he's got a kinship like he likes the dragons like, you know he's yeah. but i also like the idea that he's that he's reconditioning them to like yeah i think get yeah, used to yeah, people the, again yeah, the more i think about it the I like more i think that he he ha- he is reconditioned that he has a, a, a plan with this that he's like oh we're gonna get some people to tame all these dragons and he might again he might be like well i have one person in mind right now and he might think of other people that could that you know that could potentially tame a dragon for sure, because like there is Reyna, but there's potentially 
some other options for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, and presumably there will be new options introduced as well. Um, that's, that's, there's ways to do that as we've seen. I gotta say, <laughs> I, the scene when Damon was like, put the Kingsguard in front of Caraxes there. What I thought was going to happen was that he was going to be like, here's a test of loyalty. I'm going to make these Kingsguard try to tame a dragon. <laughs> That's like, I, I don't know. That's just what I was expecting that he was going to ask them to try to tame a dragon. Weirdly. Like, um, no, no I, thanks, sir. I guess because I really couldn't see what else Damon could be doing there. Yeah, like, how does this relate to our guarding of the queen? Uh, can we, <laughs> can you please frame this? <laughs> but and how about that moment where Vermithor's eyes have Damon in them, and then Damon's eyes have Vermithor? That was just like super suggestive of like mind melding, bonding. Yeah, like just yeah. Damon being a dragon, like bonding with his dragon side. Mm-hmm. This is the second largest dragon, next to Vagar, of course. This its nickname is the Bronze Fury. This one is a, a male, apparently, ridden by Jaharis, ridden by Jaharis. Um, the old king, his queen, uh, Alisan, rode Silverwing, who was also mentioned in that same scene where he mentions the riderless dragon, Silverwing, Vermithor, and Sea Smoke, who we, of course, have seen already. And those two dragons, potentially Silverwing and, and Vermithor, have a bit of a connection, too, because their riders had a connection. So it's another piece of evidence that the rider and dragon, they're feeling each other a bit. So like Alisan and Jaharis were in love and their dragons maybe weren't in love. Maybe it isn't the right word, but they seem to have a fondness for each other. That isn't, we haven't, we haven't even seen Silverwing yet. So we don't know if that's going to be in the show, but I bet they're going to show that because any kind of like behavioral, like mind melding stuff, I think they want to show that because they've added to it. Why not take what they've already got from the book? Yeah. And they've they've shown that with uh, Cyrax and Caraxes with Cyraxes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They talked about how like Caraxes was singing at Cyrax and generally, yeah, they're, they've, they've set up that they have a connection there. And um, I guess I'll, I'll bring it up now. Um, with little Arax, um, for example, which is a new cradle egg dragon, like a, a relatively newly hatched dragon, you have to imagine that, well, where, whose parents? Who, who, what clutch of eggs did Arax come from? And I really liked the theory I saw that it was Cyrax and Sea Smoke. Because when you look at Arax, it's got, Arax has a bit of the coloring of Sea Smoke, but a little huh? bit of the face of them, you know, like, I, I, it just makes yeah. sense to me. So, like, in a way, Luke's, Luke's dragon was like the child of, of Lainor's dragon and Rhaenyra. So he had like this connection. Arax to me, I like that comparison. Arax to me looks, which and this is a very similar idea to to the color of Valyrian steel, smoky gray uh, yeah. with red streaks. Yeah, which is mm. like that's how Tabo Mott described. He's like trying to make uh, ice when he reforges ice. He's like, I added the red and the red and the red, and it just wouldn't be the red I wanted. It kept going darker. And and Tywin's like, oh no, this is this is totally fine. <laughs> Even Tywin was like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> like, and yeah, so that's those are the colors I, I feel like Arax represents very nicely. By the way, I think it was Anthony asked earlier about my favorite dragon name. Yeah, and I, I clarified. Can I pick something outside of? Yeah, the, I'm going to pick Arcades. Oh, Arcades, okay. a magic card, a dragon. Cool. Oh, gotcha. From uh, Legends, they've made they've reprinted new versions of it, but yeah, that's yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so here's the song. Here's what here's what Damon actually says. He sings in High Valyrian to Vermithor, and here's the translation. Are you gonna read it as easy? Yeah, Fire Breather, Winged Leader. Actually, you gotta read it like beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Fire Breather, 
winged leader, but two heads, two a third sing. From my voice, fires have spoken, and the price has been paid with blood magic. With words of flame, with clear eyes, to bind the three, to you I sing. As one we gather, and with three heads, we shall fly as we were destined, beautifully, freely. So, of course, it doesn't rhyme because it's written in Valyrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would, uh, <laughs> it would uh, rhyme a little better uh, <laughs> in Valyrian. Does that have to rhyme anyway? That's yeah. not necessary. Yeah, it's poetic. It's good. So, yeah, once again, that's written by T. McKell with a, an assist from David J. Peterson. And T is the show consultant. She's one of the first names that appears in the credits. I'm happy to also say that in the chat earlier, I saw that um, I was, you know, I was talking, I'm going to ask if you would sing the song, Aziz. <laughs> we got a chat from uh, Dom Tartaglia, who's cosplayed as Damon Targaryen, nice. who said he's a thousand percent going to sing it at nice. Ice and Firecon. Excellent. So we should get a live performance as, of Damon singing that. That uh, sounds great. Yeah, we'll get a recording and we can spread that around. Uh, yes. uh. <laughs> So well done. A very big two thumbs up to the show for that moment. I love that. That was really good. Great scene. Great music. Great writing. So contrast this moment, though, in terms of besides the song. Like, Eamon first approaches Vagar, and Vagar is like almost torches Eamon before he like backs her down. Vermithor is like, I don't know if she's, if he or he is happy here or something, because he sprays fire, but he's spraying it up. He's clearly not trying to hit Damon. He's almost like, it's like, I get it. I know what it is. He, it's like holding your lighter at the concert. That's what he was doing. <laughs> Damon's singing. And Vermithar is like, yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> this is my song. <laughs> yeah, the happy dragon breathing fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was just cool. I don't know that there's a whole lot. Of, but what emotion is in play there? Yeah, is the dragon like lonely or i don't know it's really hard who knows the mind of a great beast like that suspicious hungry hungry they're always hungry that's that's a safe assumption (laughs) it's like Like damon seemed anxious you know he didn't just boldly calmly march on down or he stepped carefully it seemed like the song was as much to calm himself as anything he gently laid the torch down he's not scared but wary maybe yeah yeah. Like, like yeah. this could go wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I wonder why, why does he put the torch down? Like, I wonder that, like, why does he set it on the ground? Like, what's, I wonder if there's anything to that or if it just looks cool. Yeah, just yeah, looks maybe, cool. maybe <laughs> there just isn't a place to put it in the wall. Yeah. There's no, I mean, but, but why did he need to even put it down? Like, he's singing. Like, what does he need his hands for? Why doesn't he I mean? keep it in his hand? Yeah, why didn't he yeah. just keep holding it? Maybe, yeah. That's, that's, maybe that's he wanted I mean. to be able to step back. Maybe he wanted to present the light to the dragon. Oh, okay. But not or in the dragon's face. <laughs> he can run know? into the darkness. Like, the dragon can follow him if he's like, if he needs to get away. Yeah. <laughs> like, the dragon <laughs> sees where he's running. <laughs> that could be it. Kizzy sends a super chat says, I thought after Damon was done singing, he'd walk out and Caraxes would be waiting outside, giving him the stink eye for wooing. And the drink. He's like, are you cheating on me? <laughs> I do really appreciate that. The more the season goes on, the more we see these dragons. And because of CGI, we don't get long drawn out scenes with them usually. So it's, they got to be a little bit economical with it, but they do have personalities and like little things you can tell. Like Caraxes has that very distinct, like siren, that you hear it coming before you see him, and you're like, "Oh, that's Caraxes. That is a very distinct. That's the Caraxes siren, the 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 Caryron. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so well, I'm sure some of the other dragons, maybe we'll get some more of their like their mannerisms or their habits. Like Vagar's, like people are calling her grandma and <laughs> things like that. 
Like a klaxon horn is what you make me think of. Yeah, <laughs> a klaxon, yes. Klaxon that's horn. right. The, that's the Karaxi's klaxon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Klaxi? Ah, it's getting tricky. Tongue-tied here. I'm going to yeah, my yeah. I was going to try, but decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is worse than any Irish wristwatch has ever been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jace, yeah, so Jace going north seems, we talked about Luke maybe not being ready to be a diplomatic envoy. Jay seems fine. He seems perfectly ready to do this, I, I think. I mean, I'm no expert on the matter, but he seems like serious and, and not easily intimidated. And he's being sent on, I think, the as much as like I, it's the farther mission and more difficult mission in some ways, I think it is the easier mission ultimately in that the Starks are very honorable. Yeah, that's like, a good point. There's, there's yeah. that as well. That like he's you, he, he's not really being sent into as much danger as like a ch- Luke being sent not only to Boros, who like I don't I, I just feel like Rhaenyra shouldn't have been as confident, but to Storm's End where the, the literally the flying like disregarding Aemond, I feel like it's entirely possible for Luke to have just died in that storm. Period. Like that's how stormy yeah. it was. It just looks mm. dangerous in general. I was going to say, I bet that they have had moments where they were flying in storms and knew it was scary or risky or whatever. And I bet they know it's called Storm's End. Like, they probably, you know, I think he knew he was, it was a dangerous flight, like you said, even aside from encountering a foe, you know, or, I don't know, standing up to this lord, all the other things he's got to do there. In fact, this is not stated or hardly even implied, but pretty sure this is Autumn. Which, when the storms are at their worst, and which means, because I'm pretty sure their uh, winter is coming. I mean, obviously, the, the change how that works, but is east winter is always coming. That's true. Winter <laughs> is always coming. <laughs> so yeah. So can I go ahead? I, I want to say real quick that uh, Jace, uh, as you said, like seemed more prepared. I think that they, at least, uh, I don't know, emotionally or psychologically or whatever. Remember how he had more of an auto instinct to call Rhaenyra your grace. Yeah. Whereas uh, Jace did. I might have said that wrong. But Luke had to correct himself. He's like, yes, mother. I mean, your grace. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Exactly. It yeah. shows right there that one was a little bit more prepared. And, and yeah, you're right. More like courtly and prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's a great. Another thing great I thought was was really interesting. They made a point of her having him swear to the seven. And she brought out that. I don't know, Bible, if you will, to have put their <laughs> hand point on and swear by. I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a very interesting moment uh, that they were making a point of including there that I don't know how much that's Rhaenyra has accepted it herself or she's trying to get her sons to realize they need to. Like that, she didn't it's coach the them specifically, her, yeah. but it, I can imagine it being a, a, a tool in Luke's belt if he's challenged is like I swear by the seven like I really did it I put my hand on the mic <laughs> uh, I, I wonder how much more that'll come into play you guys maybe know more than me about where the books go but it, I, I feel like that wasn't random that was planting a seed of some sort right on um, so so yeah we talked about how this was a mistake potentially how they could have done different things like sending Rainies or different combinations of, of envoys sending Luke with someone else but the plus side, and this isn't explained, but here's part of the plus side of sending them. And this is a necessary counter argument because they could have done both of these things. They could have, like you said, send Luke plus somebody else. What it shows is there's a lot of rumors that these kids are bastards. Well, they probably are. But showing up on Dragonback, really like, okay, that's weird that you have brown hair, but you have a dragon. You are clearly flying that dragon. Maybe they can't explain the brown hair part, but you don't need to explain the dragon. That's clearly visibly happening. 
It's like, okay, that only a Targaryen does that. <laughs> so, all right, well, maybe they are bastards, but that's a dragon rider, and he's in my courtyard, and yeah. <laughs> so that's that's pretty important. And when Boros comes and says, which of my daughters will you marry? He's got four daughters. Aemon has already chosen one. You can kind of see where everybody's standing. He says, I've married this one. It's Florius is her name, by the way. Uh, I was going to ask that question. Who is that woman standing next to Amon? Yeah, so he has four daughters, Floris, Cassandra, uh, Maris, and... uh, The rest. (laughs) The rest. There's one more. Floris, Cassandra, Are you saying that Amon has already married her? No. No, he's agreed to betroth her. Just then, he just agreed to betroth her. Yeah. 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 Who's the other one? Anyway. Floris, Maris, Cassandra, and... uh, Ellen. Ellen, Ellen. yeah. Yeah, Ellen, Ellen. that's right. Okay, so... Got it. So she, she, he, he agrees to are. marry her, the and the other three are standing there like, well, mm-hmm. and... Uh, which would you pick? Yeah, which would you pick? I'd so. marry the middle one. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to talk to them. First, but... <laughs> That's so nice of you, Aziz. <laughs> You're so honorable. I'm just like... I feel like they're all so too old for him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I know. I, I, I feel I like if that had been that... a 14-year-old girl uh, and, and three 30-year-old men looking over there, it would have been a little creepier. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did have that thought because I was like, well, Rhaenyra should have pre- prepared Luke to be like, hey, if he's not amenable, maybe give him a counteroffer like betroth your brother mm-hmm. Joffrey to someone. But Joffrey is like seven and these girls are like adults. Yeah, so, so that you're right. might that, not have gone over well. Uh, but it would have been at least worse. An offer. Uh, an offer. An offer. Yeah, yeah, it would have been worth the offer for sure. Like he had no, like she just didn't tell him any, I, I, she just really didn't seem to prepare him. He was for, not like, prepared. Yeah, yeah. That's just, it's just that simple. Cause like I, I feel like it should be a pretty obvious thing to tell your envoy. Okay. And if they don't like these terms, here's what you do. And maybe she did. Maybe she said, and if he doesn't like the terms, you turn around and you come home. It's just such an assumption. They made such a bad assumption. Like, oh, he'll just, be happy you came and be like, yeah, I'm on your side. That is just not how proud nobles think. That is especially not one that's connected to House Targaryen like the Baratheons are. They haven't had a marriage to House Targaryen since Rhaenys's mom, Jocelyn, married the heir to the throne, Aemon, the son of Jaehaerys and Alysanne. But, of course, he died before he could take the throne. So the Baratheons used to be kind of included in these marriages like the Valarians are, but it's kind of like the High Towers took their spot. So maybe that would have been in their brain like, oh, well, the High Towers are the ones moving in. But the High Towers are the ones offering them a seat at the table now. <laughs> They're the ones bringing them back in the fold. So yeah, very, the recurring theme of them like, taking things for granted really bites them here. Um, again, I use the biting if, metaphor. <laughs> even if Amon and Vagar hadn't gotten there first, it still might not have gone over that well. Yeah, right? you're right. It might have gone over better. It might have been tougher when Amon did show up. Uh, you know, but it, yeah, it's it's too late now, but it is interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, totally. TKOK Podcast Network, great having the gang back together for coverage. Thanks, Tommy. Check out the TKOK Podcast Network when you get the chance, folks. Great stuff going on over there. Yeah, it is great having it all us all back together. It is so much fun. We're gonna miss it, but we'll be doing other stuff on the off season, and the future is bright. What's not so bright was Storm's End. Very dark, brilliant cinema. Vagar emerging from behind the castle. Woo! That was something. Wow. Like, like Dragon Godzilla or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. The, the way her, her like, dewlap shook when she roared, it was like, yikes, that's the scariest dewlap I've ever seen. Dewlap. Never, never been intimidated by a dewlap. The, the, the throat hanging down part. That's oh. a dewlap. Yeah. Turtles have that. 
lizards. Oh, a lot I've of lizards never have that. Called it a yeah, the little hanging the, yeah, the bit I've that hangs down. Yeah, I've always called it like a like a goiter or whatever. <laughs> goiter. Uh, <laughs> that's what it made me think of. Uh, but oh, a yeah. Football sized goiter on yeah. her neck. Yeah, that's what I that's did what this, I thought of. Did but... this dragon date Indira Gandhi? <laughs> or Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. folks. Seinfeld reference there. Uh, 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 so, uh, so that was really that was really intimidating and, and cinematic and awesome. And then Eamon's eye. What did you think of Eamon's sapphire eye, Sean? Were you, that was surprising, huh? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I I'm not against it in any way, but I I don't know. I've, I I don't know. I found it odd. I don't know if it's something he's doing to be intimidating. I assume it's something from the books. Maybe it's a yeah, it's from the book. show of wealth or something. But yeah. Well, here what what, what I wasn't expecting. Like a, was it to give off a White Walker vibe? Like he's given off a Euron vibe. Ooh, yeah. Euron, like Night King, White Walker, big dragon, you know, blue eye that's a very similar blue to the White Walker blue, and um, yeah, kind of projecting death, all that kind of thing. Because I feel like that an eye patch with a big scar—that's pretty intimidating enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, then you need you need to be able to level up somehow. So as, as <laughs> there was like a suggestion of a pupil in that blue. It almost looked serpentine. Like like there was a little. It almost looked like a real eye. I really liked the idea that Eamon gets multiple gemstones for different occasions to accessorize. You Mood know? rings. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he's got an emerald. It looks like an emerald would make the most sense. So, like, it was in green for the greens. But yeah, just the idea that he, he he's fashionable with it. Would <laughs> love that. You have a mood ring. I have a mood eye. We are not. We are not alike. <laughs> 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 Yep, yep, yep. But no, I I prefer how he looks with the eye patch ultimately. The 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 eye is a little uncanny valley for me. A little C, a little too CG eye <laughs> pun intended there. For me. But it is like a little bit like I don't know. I don't know what I expected it to look like, but I didn't expect it to look so magical almost, really. Um and maybe that's just how Sapphire would look in that situation. I I don't really know. Yeah. But I I doubt that we'll see him with a sapphire out most of the time because it's just so much easier for them to do the eye patch. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, if at some point he pops it out and throws it, he's like riding dragons <laughs> along and it's like a little <laughs> missile weapon. He like pops someone in the head. Well, he throws him off guard. And, like, or if he just like pushes a button and just falls, starts launching yeah. repeated <laughs> gems out of his eye like over and over, like pushes it. Actually, I saw on Reddit last night a man who lost his eye and implanted a flashlight in his left eye, a completely self-contained Whoa. battery, doesn't get too hot, and he can just he can like turn it on and push put it in his eye and walks around with a with a flashlight eye, and he mm-hmm. uses it to read at night. It's amazing. It's like whoa! And he designed it himself. It's like what? So if he made it red, he'd be like a Borg. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or all sorts of villains. Yeah, he could change the color. Yeah, he could do all sorts of great Halloween costumes with that. <laughs> can I? Oh, can we talk a little bit about the dragon fight? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to lead into it with the emotions that set it up, and then okay, yeah, yeah, then you'll let you take it take away from there. So I, I call this like storms rage, like emotions. The storms are raging, like the feelings that these two young men are having. Arax is probably feeling Luke's fear. Luke was intimidated the whole time th- by the storm, by what he was asked to do, by Aemon, by Boros, by failing, uh, by Vagar, and. Arax was reacting to that and maybe and probably reacting on his own to the presence of Vagar, which is probably intimidating for a small dragon to be so near to such a gigantic older dragon. Um, considering they aren't exactly like friendly animals, as far as we can tell, for the most part. And Vagar on the other side 
All this talk of subconscious bond, of the feeling going back and forth, Amond is very likely transmitting feelings of revenge, hatred, vindictiveness that aren't going to have the nuance of, I only want just your eye. Like, Vagar's not going to get that <laughs> nuance. It's just, it's just, Amon's restraint is too nuanced for Vagar to feel. Vagar only feels the, the outlines of this emotion. There's no detail to it. So, to me, I think that's a big part of what's in play here. What do you, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I, one little follow-up. I don't know. I'm not sure if Amon really expected to actually get uh, Luke's eye either. Like, maybe he did. But I feel like he was just bullying him back. Like, he had yeah. been bullied in his youth. And now it's his turn to push him around. And, it, you know, maybe it's not exactly all in fun and games or whatever. But it, I it, I don't think it was murderous. And I, I don't even think he really expected to get his eye. I think he just wanted to put him in his place. He wanted to insert himself over him. Etc. Et taunting teenager, um, a bully. Yeah, it was very bullying. Yeah. Just most bullies don't have gigantic dragons, right? I mean, right. it's like yeah. a, a rich kid with a, a motorcycle, like getting close to his friends, like buzzing them, you know, like like sliding up right next to yeah. them, like being dangerous, being reckless. Um, it is like that. You're right. And sometimes in those situations, someone would die, and that that person yeah. still killed the other person. Like I still yeah. I, like I don't exactly I don't excuse Amon, which is why I think it worked really well for me. Right, which is that like. Yeah. He is not absolved here. He still did a terrible thing, but right. it adds nuance to it to where I can still be like, oh, I like Amond. Whereas if Amond had just maliciously killed this child, it, there, there wouldn't be as much. Like, I could still appreciate his character, sure, but. It's I, not as nuanced. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. it's just not, it's, it's not yeah. exactly innocent, but there is a difference between being reckless and being murderous. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. there is. And I, and I think they did a good job of, of balancing that through the acting and the action. I think they did a good job of, of getting that across well. Yeah. Uh, it, I had to go back and watch the second time to fully understand what happened because I it, it didn't quite, I didn't understand the flyby that Arax did when he burned Vagar. Mm -hmm. That I didn't catch you. Jace was like, "No, no, no!" Luke, like, don't Jace do that, Luke. Yeah. Luke, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Luke. Uh, Jace was trust like, your feelings. Stop him from doing it. Yeah. Says, Arax, oh, no, even you had it on screen. No, Arax, no. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so, I, I, one thing I wanted to say was I really appreciated how this was presented from I don't know how to say this a physics standpoint or whatever. I was really worried about some of the just looking hokey if I was or whatever. Leave these, yeah. these dry, right, and it looked really good. Like, because the reality is, some some pieces here is it. The, the advantage, if you will, that the smaller dragon would have is maneuverability. Yeah. Like if they're flying along, if the little dragon cuts and turns, the big dragon will have to like swoop way out. Mm, so like wide in. arcs. And, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like at top speed, the big dragon would outdo them. But as long as the small dragon keeps weaving and bobbing, it'd be hard for the big dragon to catch up. Now, maybe in the midst of that one blast of, one well-aimed blast of fire might still get the small one. But the small one, so the small one might get away, especially if Vagar and or Amon aren't actively trying to blast them with fire. But there's no way Arax is ever going to beat Vagar, right? He might be able to whip around. And he might be able to kill the rider, but you're not going to kill the dragon. See, the yeah. thing here, Maybe even get the rider, yeah. Joe, me crazy, Sean, was there's this, this perfect moment where Arax and Luke are like in those cliffs, or like they, they're in like land, right? In those little, and I'm like, just stop, just stop, just like land there. Just land <laughs> I was there. Not I was, get on the ground. Just, just, just like, like Vagar cannot. 
get to you there. Aemon will have to get down. I'm like, you're safe there. Like, I get that, like, why Luke was like, I just need to get away. I just need to escape. Like, I get that it was yeah. hard, uh, easier said than done. Maybe you couldn't have stopped. Maybe there was it. nowhere to know. land. Yeah, Maybe know. there was nowhere to land. But even if you can't land, just keep flying in circles, like, right under that little air. I don't know. It, it might have been. It got me. I was yelling. to land or go in circles. Maybe even if he did land, maybe then, like, Vagar can still breathe fire down that crevice yeah. or ground yeah. troops just show up and surround and like I, I I was yelling at the TV just land you're there, you're there. <laughs> but I, I realized like well maybe it wasn't necessarily safe but uh and also he's panicked but, like Luke was panicked yeah, he's, he's not panicked. gonna have like yeah. he's not gonna be clear clear headed you know and Erex also Eric's right? Luke might not, have been yeah. telling him land 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 I was like, I'm not landing that's, <laughs> that's true uh, that's true that's true yeah, yeah. so uh, another little thought in this that I uh not quite sure if it was specifically accounted for in the action but I, like i said i feel like the action mostly made sense but something didn't occur to me is it our friend adrian we watched with michael and adrian oh and, uh, awesome they yeah they pointed out she she rose she does like professional yeah rowing, you know, like boat races Crew. and she said that in a storm oh. the bigger dragon would actually have more advantage when it comes to maneuverability that's yeah. that's pointed yeah. out in fire and blood their momentum yeah. and their weight wouldn't be affected yeah. as much by the wind and the rain as a little it's dragon. implied in or not implied it's stated pretty much outright in fire and blood if it wasn't for the storm Arax probably got gets away hmm. yeah. yeah so there you go you're totally right i'm glad adrian like backed that up with some knowledge yeah. <laughs> from some real experience there <laughs> yeah well said sean a lot of great points there um, uh, shout out to our friend Nina. Uh, she meant another Star Wars reference. She said that that moment where Arax was flying through the the c- cliffs was kind of like pod racing. <laughs> Had that tension of like, ah, whoa, don't hit the wall. Ah, you could bump into the wall at any yeah. second here. It's like, wait. In in Star Wars, you're going to realize, okay, this is Anakin. He's not going to die. But Luke, I don't know. <laughs> okay, he dies like two <laughs> minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I, just so you know, I was shocked just having not read. Yeah, the you books, you didn't know like, that was coming. You did yeah, not know that yeah. was coming. Yeah, I really, I, I was I, wondering, really wondering what a non-sully, an unsully person was thinking in that moment. Like, yeah, what's going to happen here? See. There's okay, my new hope I shot. When they, <laughs> I did say a couple times. I was like, I don't know if he's coming back home. You know, oh. like I was worried. I didn't know quite. And then when Vega was there. It almost made me feel more comfortable that they revealed the threat. It's like, oh, I see how this is going. But uh, it maybe reeled me back from fear of him dying right there. Just like the plan's not going to work. So yeah, anyway, yeah, it was uh, well done. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two, two things here. One, uh, I really appreciated um, in the behind the scenes house the dragons built. They showed that um, how they did the blocking for this dragon battle for this this fight between them, which was uh, Greg Yatanes uh, and Pedro, the DP. They just they got some dragon toys. And they got a camera and they just held it all up. You're muted, Sean, if you say anything, by the way. But, uh, they got some dragon toys and they held it up and they just, uh, just mocked up what it would look like, zooming in and all that. They just had a little playtime, imaginary awesome. playtime, which I thought was so cool. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to say was that, uh, Boros Baratheon uh, was a, a terrible host. I know that he was trying to get them out of his hall or whatever, but like, you look at that storm out there and you say, yeah, go fly home, boy. <laughs> like, I, I, just, I, I just... They're just too used to storms there at Storm's End. Yeah, it's like, you know, we just don't think about it. Like, I just can't imagine, like, sending, like, you home to drive in that storm. You like, know what I mean? Like, like it'd be like, stay, stay the night, tonight. young prince. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you can go home. You know, let me give you a couple. You even <laughs> offer him bread and salt. Is that how you treat yeah, a prince? Yeah, you're right. He didn't. There was no guest right yeah. offered. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> So Rhaenyra's grief is the final moment of the season. 
all that grief and rage of Damon, which is so prominent, this final moment, we don't even really see his face. It's really focused on her. We kind of know what's happening. Like, it's got that effect they've done a few times where all the sounds are muted and there's some music and it's like something, it's like a dreamscape almost. And you always see the back of Damon's head. You know what's happening. He's walking to go tell her what's just happened to her son. I wonder how much time had to have passed there for them to get that information. Couldn't right? have been that long. Like, I mean, well, I mean, like, I, I, I figure they know because a dragon body, like, washed up on shore. Yeah, it could have been just, it may, I'm guessing it was just a couple of days. Yeah, but like, I'm just like, I'm just like, the logistics of like that information passing. So I just like, sometimes gets in my head. I'm like, how did that happen? What? I feel like realistically, it had to be more than a couple days. If you think about it, like, even if someone saw it at the exact moment it happened, they sail off in this crazy. Well, no, you ran a raven. A raven like, would get there pretty, like, the raven could get suppose, there in one day. Yeah, a raven yeah. could be. The Lord yeah. of Storm's End would, would even, he, he, he might not tell. He might be wait, but some yeah. But there's you could easily see but why. But it they also would. assumes someone knew the moment that it happened. Yeah, well, we we do know uh, not from the show, but we do know from the book that people were watching from the, the battlements or whatever. So okay. so they knew. So they they would have reason to maybe go look for a corpse, even if they didn't see a dragon die. They might be like, yeah, I well, guess, I don't know what happened there, but we could go look. And yeah, see. I guess in my head, I'm like, how would they have even seen these dragons fighting? But I'm like, well, Arax did blow one thing of fire there and so if someone looks up in the yeah. skies and they see dragon fire in the skies that is telling that there's something going on there like even yeah. if they, you can't see much because of the storm like they could at least see maybe the fire so there's a there's maybe that maybe when he was flying over that crevice too mm. you know they, yeah. that might have been more visible yeah it seemed like oh, she's in the crevice far away and <laughs> high but they might have come back and forth and around a bunch of times yeah so. uh so i buy it there's one small tidbit non-spoilery but from the book where there's a poetic version a song version where luke doesn't die where he survives the fall and has no memory of who he was and is and and falls in love with the a fisherman's daughter that finds him and they live happily ever after and it's it's possible that's the inspiration for lanor going on getting away and mm. living, you know, okay. living a life okay. off the page because it's no one like the histories don't take it seriously. Like this is clearly not what happened, but we'll throw that in there for the hell of it, you know, because <laughs> it's it's history for in that romantic. it's a story that people told, so that makes it historical, even though they recognize it as just not fact. <laughs> uh, so yeah, back to Rhaenyra and her grief. She was just there's so many emotions going on at once. She was holding it in so well. The grief, the rage. She's lost her daughter her father uh she was feeling betrayed by alicent and all this responsibility rushing on her at once having the throne stolen but she still was keeping it together like her focus was there she may not have known exactly what to do but her disposition was strong if confused at times grief and rage for sure and those are kind of extreme maybe rage especially but also Frustration, yeah. confusion, anxiety, on and on with those swirls of all sorts of basically negative emotions. Yeah, and she she held it held it in really well, but this the the loss of Luke is way too much. It it just blows all that other stuff away in terms of its weight on her. Emma Darcy said, "Rhaenyra took a lot for granted," which we've been yes, she did. We've said that a lot about Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra took a lot for granted. A lot of people in this story have taken a lot for granted, but what Emma said was that Rhaenyra even took grief for granted. Word of her father's death and her mother's death way back then, that, that was her experience with grief, which was not trivial by any means, but this, even, and even losing an infant wasn't like this. This, 
she thought she knew what grief was until she lost Luke. So that's mm-hmm. that's like the last thing we get from her this season. So that's that's Emma Darcy's take how she how they played that moment. That was what they had. That's what they were thinking um, f- to frame their mind state for that scene. And that makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, that's that's harsh, but it it's fitting. And there's guilt now too, though. There's going to be some guilt. She, she doesn't have guilt over her father oh, or yeah. over Emma. That's not her fault. Like she had nothing to do with that. But she, but she just sent, sent her Luke son on that mission. On that mission, yeah. even if it's not her fault. And we did criticize the decision, so we would yeah, have to say, you know. yeah, it wasn't a good idea. She's still going to blame herself, even if she doesn't think or, that even if she thinks it was bad luck or yeah or not blame herself this will give her more reason to be mad at mm, she could be in Alatent, denial amon yeah. whoever else like even though yeah where did she as choose a, to put this as a pain. way to cover yeah. your guilt is to displace yeah. it onto yeah, other exactly. people good yeah. point right. yeah well, i can't assume how i know she how she's going to handle it uh, we have just vague ideas from the book which is still maester's perspective from a distance this is the kind of stuff that the show does really well because we actually get these amazing, talented actors portraying emotions that no book could ever portray because there's no facial expressions and body language and just obvious stuff that books don't do. <laughs> books have their own strengths, but not that. <laughs> Music adds a lot. Yeah. For example, for sure. Editing, like the, editing, yeah. you're right. Like the, the zoom in of the camera. In that moment, her face is conveying so much but the music is just boosting it all like it's adding to yeah. that the emphasis is so much greater you're right so yeah shout out to ramin for his amazing work as the composer for the show he is our john williams <laughs> hey star wars yet again right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's about the eighth time we've mentioned star wars this episode or i i think yeah, i've done I, it yeah, all eight times exclusively. <laughs> yeah i know it's funny i've been with you for all of them though. yeah i'm with you in spirit yeah we got in the chat you're like over there like i appreciate aziz shouting out a little known indie film known as star wars <laughs> <laughs> Luke could have skywalked, but no, he <laughs> fell. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right. Just doesn't, just doesn't tested that theory. Yeah, it didn't work so well. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, like I said, the season is over, but our we're not done. We'll be back with more episodes, more fun stuff. We'll be able to take a look at some of these character journeys. Looking forward to what's to come. We'll have more spoilery episodes, more non-spoilery episodes, plenty of both. We'll get back to some book coverage. The future's still bright, y'all, like a like a vermithor lighting the cave or mm. yeah, hopefully the, we'll have the some sheen more, uh, off sunfire's uh, scales. <laughs> hopefully we'll have some more uh, George reports and interviews and uh, uh, yeah. panels and whatnot to report for you in the next month, too. As we said, we have those two events, so hopefully, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also hoping that we get some uh, announcements for some House of the Dragon stuff that we and get to talk about. Maybe other successor show yeah. stuff. Maybe HBO's like, all right, this was a success. What's our next move? <laughs> I was going to say that, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about this more in other kind of season finale coverage type stuff. But uh, you guys remember, like, when this was first coming up on the horizon, I was a little suspicious. I was like, I don't know. I don't, it's just going to be a bunch of, they're going to start off where season eight left or whatever. I'm less interested in dragon battles and personal relationships. And it was like, uh, HBO has got a good track record. You know, they, there's, we got a lot of reasons to be hopeful. And at the end of this, I'm like, all right, bring on Jon Snow. I'm like, <laughs> when that first came, I was like, what? Seriously? But now I'm like, all right, I, I'm trusting him now. I'm ready for it. So. Yeah. Like it might not work out, but yeah, bring it. Let's, let's give it a chance. This is done so well. I have much higher hopes for whatever's next. It's their high. It's their most watched 
finale since season eight's finale of any show they've done. So they're, I'm sure the HBO executives are like, good, good. Yes. <laughs> it's all going according to plan. And, uh, that works for us. <laughs> all right, folks. Yeah. So uh, we'll time to say goodbye for this episode. Thanks to everyone who came by and said hello to support the, the live stream or so participated our next in the stream. chat. It's Halloween night. That's right. Next Monday, same usual time on Monday. So you could get in a little trick-or-treating and then come over to hang out with us on or, our stream. Or vice versa. <laughs> it depends on where you live. <laughs> that's right. Depends on where you live. And Same time, same time, same place. Yep, yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. And we, the guests are TBA. We have some lined up already, but I will d- refrain from announcing them until we have them all lined up so we can announce them all at once. Oh, we'll and we'll be on X-Ray Vision this week, too. That's right. Uh, Shay and I will be on X-Ray Vision again. We were on it earlier. I was on it earlier on this, it before, year, yeah. uh, this year, and now Shay will be joining well, Last week. <laughs> yeah. So we're both going to be on it this time with Jason Concepcion. That'll be fun. We're going to be looking ahead to what's coming, talking about what might be in season two, things like that. So there, that'll be a spoilery one, and that should be a good time. So check that out. Also, check out our friends over in Direwolf City who are starting their stream right about now. And Radio Westeros will be streaming tomorrow. Mara Lee sends a super chat, says sending love and hugs. Thank you, Mara. Mara sent a bunch of great questions in, but a lot of them were spoilery, so we'll, we'll tackle those another time. We'll certainly get to them, though. They shan't be forgotten. And uh, definitely, folks, join our Discord or Facebook if you want to keep the discussion going uh, outside yeah, of the live stream. Yeah, if you want to streams. join Discord, the link is on our website, or you can just go to bit.ly slash how Discord. Yeah. Easy for you. Follow Sean and Ashea on Twitter. That's at Miranese Not for Ashea and at Dancing Sean for Sean. I'm on TikTok now, too. Yeah, yeah, Sean is. Are there? Yeah. And so are we. We're at the History of Westeros on TikTok, and Sean is at Dancing Sean on TikTok. I asked Sean, I was like, he told me he's on TikTok, and I said, oh, what's your username? And he said, at Dancing Sean. And I said, oh, wow, how could I not have guessed? Uh, <laughs> like, I'm surprised. Okay. <laughs> uh, I could have looked you up. Uh, we got another super chat, too, last minute from Jill47 with a thanks sticker. All right. Appreciate that, Jill. Yeah. Thank you. You can also leave us a review if you've enjoyed our coverage this season or you enjoy our book coverage or you're looking forward to that. You can leave that on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That'll work yeah, out. Like, or just give us a like if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, if you've been checking us out for the first time because of House of the Dragon or you're just rejoining us or whatever, we do cover things throughout the off season, and we will be covering both House of the Dragon and A Song of Ice and Fire and Fire and Blood related topics. Yep. So I check hope out our back catalog. You, yeah, I hope you check out our back catalog and you stick around during the off season because there'll be lots of exciting news throughout this time. I personally enjoy the off season like like i enjoy the casting season part of the season the most like that's when right. i feel that's the most fun. fired up about the nice. show like i don't know what it is i just love the seeing who the it, early stages of yeah. how these characters coming to life yeah it's always it always gets me really excited um and so then you kind I, of yeah. build up to it you're like okay now we know who the person is we don't know what they're going to look like in the role exactly we don't yeah. know exactly what they're going to do but you, but you get like edits a, that people make where they like they take the actor and they make them look like you know like there's just so many different stages of the casting process. So mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty excited to get into like filming leaks and stuff like that. And must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> trying to not trying to stay unspoiled. Yeah. I keep. All yeah, that you can't do that. You can't be like, who is this character? Or like, I don't know this person's name. Yeah. I love covering in different topics that we do just like different places and locations and time periods and finding real world parallels and symbolism that George's used and all of all that stuff. But I, I love when this show is out because I feel like there's, this is huge communal discourse. I really love the idea of people around the world from all walks coming in to 
I don't know. It's a great thing. Grievances yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, get their takes. Is and, this Festivus and, uh, or something? <laughs> <laughs> you are describing Festivus. It's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Who wants to arm wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. Thank you very much. We. It's the end of this chapter, but it is not the end of the story. Thanks again. We will be keep an eye on our social media for updates on our schedule. Come next Monday for the Halloween stream and for our episode the following Monday. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot more to come. Thanks, everybody. You know what to do. Valar re-read us and Valar re-watch us.